In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Aurolic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. Did you, uh, you can bring your mic up there close, Kevin. Did you, uh, guys get the full Kodiak experience with weather when you were over there on your hunts? Uh, most of the time it was pretty decent. A L- little closer, Kevin. Little yeah, closer. most of the time it was pretty decent. You know, oh, okay. nothing real big. Yeah. Got the full bear experience, but other than Oh, that, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Good story there? <laughs> oh, there was one outside the outside the, the cabin just uh, making all this noise, and I'm like, who the heck's trying to do their laundry in the middle of the night? And, so, <laughs> and then I realized it's on the other side of the wall. I'm on the outside wall, and I, 
I'm like, wait a minute. And then I knew right away, I, you know, as I woke up, I said, I know exactly what it is. And I had this new pistol with a red dot sight on it. And I'm like, oh, I got to try this out, you know. I wasn't going to be able to shoot it, but I went out the front door. And here's this damn beer. He was so big on, on, on John's F-250. He was up leaning over the tailgate, <laughs> rummaging around in the back. He was that big, and that thing was like hitting him in the belly button. He was dead. Oh, wow. The top of the tailgate yeah. was... <laughs> He left, and he, you know, it wasn't even like a run. He was like, you know, did the gallop and the rest of it, and I could hear him. I could hear him running. It was clump, just clump, just lumbering clump. off oh, out of there, was literally. <laughs> Land moving, <laughs> just a tiny little fognac bear. Yeah. Was there maybe some meat scrap or blood or just something? Uh, in I, there, I think he had har- one of the guys had harvested a deer or whatever it had oh. been in the back, and so he smelled the whatever was back. Remnants there. of it. Yeah, there wasn't anything else, but uh, that was enough to bring him in. I thought, oh man. So I put the dot on him. I'm like, okay, That's I could have had you. <laughs> yeah, could take good. I'll make you famous. <laughs> we'll see if a 10 millimeter will really bring down a bear <laughs> at night. That's funny, the delirious nature of waking up out of a dead sleep and kind of like, where am I? What am I hearing? That fumble. And then you think laundry. Like, no, it's a 10 footer out there. Just it, 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 it really sounded like that same tinny sound of almost like yeah. the. The, the the top of the washing dryer or whatever going like that. I'm like, you know, who's being so rude? And it was right there, too. You know, so you, when you went out, you had to go past the washer and dryer to go look out the door. It makes you rethink your sleeping positions, too, huh? It's like, like, okay. I'm not going to not be on the outside wall. I think I'll be out against the <laughs> interior wall. A little bit. No, I'm, I'm the kind that, you know, say I go into camp and I'll, I'll leave stuff laying around just oh, in the hole. <laughs> I had to do it. Just sprinkling beef, beef jerky around the tent. <laughs> Who knows what that. <laughs> who, knows what could, who knows what could happen that's funny so well it's scary but it's a fact you know i was i was talking to bringing about that i um i got my knee done and i'm at my physical therapist and it's a new guy to anchorage and he's a big hunter but he's from buffalo new york so he's out from that way and you know it's his first time really right. doing big big stuff i mean he got an elk and stuff like that but you know he's asking me about the bear situation he's like so he had watched some video and he's like, man, I saw these guys and they're packing out that caribou and it got dark, but they kept going all the way to the raft. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of got to. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I said, what are you going to do? Like if they were, if they were going the other way, we'd question it, but otherwise you got, it's better to, to get to the raft and stay part way. Well, and his <laughs> idea is like, they just, he just had this mentality that some bear is just going to run out and grab them and just take the meat and take him with it, you know? And so he just has this mentality of these, these bears are just like out to get you. I was like, no, it's not like that. I mean, you, you probably been looking around before he's like, so what's the process? You got like one guy looking all the time and the process is get it done. So you don't have to carry shit in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But if you do, Crank the headlight and make a lot of noise. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just funny because you're saying you're just sprinkling stuff around and you're laughing about it, but people have really fears. Oh, immense. Of it. Uh, yeah, there's immense fears. We, we, we oh, all. Sure. We I mean, all, there's there's local Alaskans that have. We crazy all, we all fear what we don't know. So I, I was chuckling a little mm-hmm. bit too because you started out that way because I grew up like 70 miles south of Buffalo, so it's like oh okay it was you're famous. Like what it was famous <laughs> for us when you'd say. You know, oh man, it's deer season. Those damn buffalo hunters will be down here shooting at every noise they hear in the woods. And because <laughs> <laughs> the shotgun was slugs there, but it was like that was famous. So you could, if you wanted to insult someone, you'd said they were a buffalo hunter. 
Oh, <laughs> not gotcha. like the critic. God, but you were from that. You were from the You were from the big city. Yeah. Same, same oh, okay. everywhere. It's yeah. like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah. Oh, you're down here playing hunter. Yeah. So <laughs> go back, go back to it. Buffalo oh, and so hunt turkeys. So you call yourself a hunter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is there turkeys up there? Oh, yeah. No. All over. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, East Coast, yeah, yeah. man. All the way up there? They're like, I didn't know that. All over New York. I didn't know they were up north like that. Yeah, what I, think we're, I think we're the only state that doesn't have turkeys. We should bring some up, and we do. Yeah, there's some down in the. I've Indian. seen them in Soldat. No, I've seen them. I've seen one running wild in Eagle River. It must have been from. There used to be some guys that would bring them in out there, and then probably got loose or whatever like that. Well, well Indian. My wife said, "Is that yeah. a?" We were looking at houses, and she said, "Is that a turkey?" And I said, "There are no turkeys up here." And I turned to look, and except <laughs> that one. <laughs> <a turkey. laughs> well, hell, there's a turkey right there. Yeah, it cost me lunch to get out of that one. Yeah, <laughs> Indian Valley meats got all the That's turkeys. Right. That's, that's right. That's true. Peacocks too, but they go into. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for instance, uh, I know you can hunt them. There's a hunt on the internet right now for like Ontario, up into Ontario and the rest of it. So and you know, so pretty much into Canada to a certain degree. Yeah, but they're also extending their range a little bit, like a lot of things as they come back. So moving north and west. Come yeah. on. Well, you had just mentioned your them. super slam. So, is that all the species of turkey too? Uh, no. You don't no. have to break it up. They're not no. considered big game. Oh, it's just big game. Big game. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I I am kind of, I just, I can't say I'm, I'm doing a lot of them. I've only shot one, but it was, turkeys were a big deal to my dad in that area growing up. So if he saw turkeys, it was like, ah, because he can remember as a kid, he never saw turkeys. And then they were coming in more and more because a lot of it was old farmland that was going back. So it was ideal for whitetail. Yeah. All, all, all what they call the, the counties along the Pennsylvania border. Uh, I was right along the Allegheny River. Comes out of Pennsylvania, does a loop into New York, and then mm -hmm. well, it goes down to Three River Stadium. Okay. okay. Pittsburgh meets the Monongahela from the south, and they form the Ohio. But So that whole area had all these great white tails. There was bears around when I was growing mm -hmm. up. Not a lot, but you'd see them. Most times if they got shot, it's because someone was out deer hunting and saw one. So Okay. But uh, it was a great place to grow up as far as the outdoors and you know, I thought I was a hunter, and I didn't realize until I really got into it what I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. What was the first animal you remember hunting yourself? What did uh, you use? Oh, it was, you know, 22s and stuff like okay. that. We'd Little go birds, off, and, and, and I would tell you, is, you know, Dad would take us. We would go walking down, you know, the old uh, railroad tracks were there, and so you were like, if a grouse flew up, you would shoot it. didn't matter what part of the season or a squirrel or whatever or shot. Went to the dump to shoot rats or... <laughs> <laughs> what they called grackles, which were like blackbirds or something like that. So yeah, so that so was early. the first things. But but he was primarily a grouse hunter, a rough grouse hunter. Okay. And so you know, Sundays if we got everything done, we could go out to a place and just walk along and hunt uh, hunt rough grouse. He didn't want to hunt deer or whatever. But uh, they were good eaters. Yeah, they're not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Occasionally we'd hunt we'd hunt ducks too and things like that. But yeah. really needed a dog to do much, and we didn't have mm -hmm. one, and so. Anyway, it was kind of a, it was a cool thing, but that was the thing. It was enough for me to catch the bug and believe, you know, I was a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You so, like, you like the chase, man. Yeah. So from growing up in Buffalo then, or outside of Buffalo, did you go straight from there to the army when you turned 18? Uh, no, I, uh, went to i went to school went to college there. oh that's right syracuse yeah well i went to a two-year school first for engineering prep and then on to syracuse and finished uh and finished there at uh 
at Syracuse to, and then came in literally the day I was graduated, I was commissioned and then came on active duty. And so just like that. Yeah. Well, you had your, you had some real direction. I mean, to go young engineer prep to Syracuse, uh, you, you knew what you were want, you, what you wanted to do. Well, you know, it was probably, there was the family, we had all kinds of, um, you know, like a lady we referred to as aunt or uh, my step-grandmother, they were all teachers. And so all the time growing up, I didn't know that college was optional. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you're going. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like somebody said they were going to do something else. I'd go, oh, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> it was a question of not where, but, you know, and yeah. how you were going to get there and mm. didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, I had to do scholarships in New York and stuff like that. And so, but... Uh, so I did uh, a New York State Regent Scholarship for my first couple of years and then eventually got an ROTC scholarship and oh, okay. let the Army. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I got into ROTC because I was about to be drafted. They'd ended the draft deferments, oh, and I was number 20. practice? Yeah. Oh, so, so I hit training. out there. Yeah, it was real good because they never did draft me. I, was, <laughs> I learned how to beat it. So. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a trick. Never minded, loved the adventure, you know, so, you know, even when people say, hey, thank you for your service, which is, is nice that people recognize that, especially for the guys that were, you know, in Vietnam and stuff like that, that didn't get the welcome. But I always feel funny because I said, well, <laughs> it was adventure and the rest of it. And, you know, I was, I did it primarily for me and I, I'm happy it was good to serve the country, but I did it, you know, for the adventure and everything else. Yeah. Walk us through the yeah. stations that you were you were placed at. Uh, well, you know, and, and what, one of the things that probably angers me the most over the whole woke movement is changing the names of a lot of the places. Yeah, you know, installations like Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and the rest of it, because uh, you know that's a whole a whole nother discussion. Yeah, because they were Confederate leaders and the rest of the stuff, and it was done for a reason at a time when America needed to be reunified. So, and there was a lot of those guys that, quite frankly, all went to West Point together. They fought in the Mexican-American War, and this just prior to the Civil War, half of them went back to their place in the north and fought, and the other half stayed south because they were loyal to their states. But uh, so anyway, the uh, I came in uh, and went to spent the summer working at Fort Bragg, and then on to Fort Benning in the south. And I had done uh, Army Ranger School between my junior and senior years, so. I wanted to go to, I went to airborne school then before I started the infantry officer's basic course in Benning. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, I headed for Germany. So I did uh, a bunch of time north of Frankfurt and then did my first special forces tour, you know, in Bavaria, which was a, a whole nother experience down there. And so, and then uh, back to the States for uh, grad school in California and more training at Benning and then on to Colorado. Uh, Colorado back to uh, I got picked up for during what they call assessment and selection for U.S. Army Delta Force. So I went in for that for five years and and at Fort Bragg and then came back out to the what they call the White Side Special Forces and did Desert Storm with a company and stuff like that. And so did the deployment over there. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, when you uh, it was an interesting, interesting time to be over there, you know, uh, early mid 90s. Uh, yeah, right. It was, you know, 91 or something like that, yeah. I think. We got into the war right at the last minute, and so mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of cool. And then uh, after that, 92, then I think I went to Germany. I was talking to you about being stationed in Germany and hunting there. So off and on, I did about eight and a half years in Germany. So I went over there from 92 to 95 and then uh, got 
picked up to come up here to Alaska and was here from 95 to 2001. And I finally retired. So nice. interesting. A lot of, a lot of places. I think I did 18 or 19 moves and <laughs> I got a, I got a, um, trivia here real quick for Chad. Hit the button. Hold on a second. Yep. This isn't the official trivia. This is yet. not the this official is trivia. This, this is just is a little something. Trivia. This is just to make fun of Chad. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, almost, Kevin almost didn't come in tonight because of this goddamn trivia. Here you go. This is, and we all know the answer already because right. we were talking before you came. So this okay. is just for Chad. And this is actually, you should like know this because this, this is your favorite. What does Jaeger Meister mean? Hunting master. Bingo. Okay. Bro, all right. All right. All right. I'm 97% percent German, dude. Okay. My grandfather would literally dig out of the gravies in right now and whoop my ass if I didn't know that answer. Are all right. You there you go. See? He, so you got to test him. He's coming tonight in your sleep for yeah, sure. Man. He, was right on, uh, he was right on top of it. That's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Chad is the German for sure. It's German. So I believe there's 57, 56 botanicals. Oh, oh okay. Too. Okay. In case you want to go deeper. There you go. 56 botanicals. There, there you was go. literally a time in my life where if I... If I was to donate blood, it probably would have been Jaeger. Okay, well, let me ask you this one. Hold on. Here's, here's part two. Ready? Sure. Mr. Know-it-all. Damn it. That was all this shit. Swear it all falls apart. Yeah, yeah. it's over here. Your head's all blowing up and shit. The logo. <laughs> How did that originate? Oh, that I would have no idea. I don't oh, know. Ninety-seven percent on the. <laughs> Tell them the three. Please go ahead and fill in the three yeah, percent for us. The logo. Get they're Kevin. talking about the picture on the bottle of Jägermeister. Is what yes. we're talking yes. about. Yeah, so. yes. go, go back to kind of where it started with. The, is it a the stag or an elk? It's an elk, right? No, it's it's technically a red stag. Is it a stag? Okay. Yeah, and so uh, what what it's in dedication to or what it's in remembrance to is there was a, a gentleman by the name of, he's the patron saint of the hunt named saint hubertus and so uh, in german they would claim him as saint hubertus i forget the uh, the french have a little bit different name for him but basically they both claim him and the rest of it and he was a you know a rich kid big hunter and the rest of it and was always the out black, hunting the black and orange one down there below yeah was uh, was already you know doing uh uh, you know, a lot of hunting and the rest of it, but he was skipping church one Sunday and he was out hunting and he saw this beautiful stag and before he shot it, the cross appeared, you know, glowing above in the stag's antlers. And that was his epiphany. That was he was reborn at that point and became a conservationist and swore off the kind of the slay and spray mentality. I think he continued to hunt, but anyway, that was that's the moment, the epiphany that they're depicting on the on now why they have depict a pif- an epiphany on the bottle of Jägermeister. Yeah. I don't know. It's still it's still good, especially if you get even in our house we call it cough medicine. I'll, my, my wife gets a little bit of a hack. I'll say, go take some of the cough medicine because it stops it right away. I've had a lot of epiphanies on Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Some I don't remember. Some are blurry. Well it's Jaeger that has the two different versions in no, they made like a flavored Jaeger. A oh, couple different. Oh, they have like I'm a sorry, I'm thinking of absinthe. Oh, absinthe is absinthe uh, had like absinthe, and then there was the real absinthe. Well, yeah, there's real absinthe, and then there's yeah. like what they sell in the U.S. The it's one where you like lick the walls when you're done. Well, one's like made with wormwood, which is like oh. some sort of a psychedelic. There it is. Yeah. So tell us about some hunting stories in Germany while you were there. 
Yeah, that you kind of touched on it a little bit, and it yeah. was—it got my ears perked up. It, it, big well, time. I was explaining earlier that you know to to get a German hunting license is normally about an eighteen-month process where you actually learn all the animals. It's really cool, it's demanding, but I mean, you learn all the details, you know, you know, Latin names, habits, and all the rest of it, and you become kind of an expert on game. And that's the way they use it for game management is really done by the the Jaegers. A Jaegermeister would be someone that worked for the state or something like that. Uh, like uh, maybe like an instructor? No, he would be. Or, he would basically be an official. You know, oh, okay. in fact, in, many times you don't run into very many Jägermeisters anymore. Most times they're forest meisters, oh. since they kind of consolidated the job. And that guy who's okay. responsible for a block of woods, yeah. also has to look Land after the game. hunting. Land end game. And they're and they're very serious about the raising of trees over there and the rest of it. So, you know, if a lot of the young saplings are being you know broomed back too strong, and they want you to thin the deer. So, you know, you're hunting a variety of game. You're hunting the roe deer, which is a diminutive little deer. It's, you know, it's kind of their their version of a whitetail. It's normally uh, the the characteristic uh, full size is basically three by three points and the rest of it on a roe deer. And then uh, red stag is, uh, you know, some of the other things. And there's, and you can hunt. I've hunted pheasants over there. I've hunted Hungarian partridge. Real quick uh, on the ducks. stag, is that uh, very similar to elk in terms of size and characteristics uh, to the body, or is it, it? You know, they always say the uh, probably the the uh, uh, the Roosevelt stag is, or Roosevelt elk is probably most similar to probably the red stag in a lot of ways, okay. and it's about the same size. It doesn't get quite as big as some of the really big uh, Rocky Mountain elk for s- some reason, but you're talking about something that runs 400, 500 pounds and mm-hmm. and typically gets almost elk-like antlers, except ideally at the end they grow into what they call a crown, and so they'll refer to it a, ger- uh, a stag as a hirsch in, in Germany, so they refer to it as a Cronin hirsch. And there's, there's uh, a whole grading system, you know, from 1A to 1B to the rest of it on these different animals so that you... You know, depending on what you're going to harvest, and they're very particular and very organized on, on what you know there is there, and that's part of what you're learning uh, over there during that hunting course. You also learn all the different kinds of guns there are there. Most people have heard of a drilling. Uh, drilling is basically pr- the most uh, common configuration of a drilling is usually two shotgun barrels with a rifle barrel down below, although okay. it can be the other way around too. Uh, and drilling is just dry, meaning is the abbreviation for three. So you're talking about three barrels on the rest of stuff. And so, uh, you know, books uh, is the German word for rifle. And you get an over-under rifle shotgun, you know, like, you know, Savage used to make one, like things like that, and called a, a Bachbuchsflinte, which means it's stacked and it's a rifle shotgun. So that you learn all these configurations, and there's probably almost a dozen different barrel configurations uh, Repetir Buxa is a is a uh, you know the is a standard bolt action rifle, and so you know what size calibers to use for what animals, uh, etc. And so it's a whole it's a whole game management philosophy. And then of course there's the shooting tests with with uh, rifle and shotgun. You got to be able to do. But uh, so you know starting out uh, the roe deer, which is probably the most fun to hunt over there in terms of because it's easiest to kind of be able to do. Is that R O E roe? R O E roe deer. Yeah. yeah, it. Um, Not to be confused with the road deer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so there there are some of those also, but the uh, but the uh, 
it uh, it has uh, like our bears. It has delayed implantation, so it actually ruts in like June and July, kind of like bears do, and then mm-hmm. and then it doesn't implant uh, until the fall, and then it's born in the spring, the same way our whitetails would be born, like about May or whatever. So you can literally go sit in the stand, you know, in the middle of July, and you're sitting there in the evening, maybe till nine thirty or ten. It's light over there for a long time too, not as much here. But you can sit there, and then they'll come out, you know, in in different areas. You'll be looking in either fields, agricultural fields. Uh, some of the beet fields are kind of the vegetation is high enough that they can actually lay down in it, and suddenly, you know, you you watch for a while and nothing, and then you look back, and suddenly there's something just grew out of the grass. <laughs> and you're like, so or out of the edge of a wood or yeah. whatever. Very similar to you know the whitetail habits and the rest of that, and so it. Uh, and quite often you're hunting in the proximity of villages and things like that, that it's not, you know, X number of miles away. Uh, the villages all tend to be centralized over there, and the fields are surrounding them, so there's woodlots and things like that that they have, and that's what you're hunting. Uh, everything is private over there. It's either owned by the state or it's leased uh, to uh, as a revere, a, a leasehold like Texas and other places. Uh, mm-hmm. And you'd have a yog pector, the guy that has the lease. And so I happen to have a friend of mine who had a lease, so I would help, you know, do stuff, chores, you know, put up the high seats and stuff like that. And then we would feed in the winter. He had a good deal with some apple squeezing places, so we would actually have a couple feeders going where we would use my pickup to go get stuff and put in feeders. And so yeah. Wow, you were part of the not only the ability to go out and to hunt, but you were part of the prep. It 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 w- I did get to see a lot of that, which was cool. Now, for I didn't have to do an eighteen month course. The uh, military over there can do a a forty hour course, which even seems like a lot to us. And mm-hmm. then you have to do the same shooting test and everything else, and and then the terms and uh, you know usually in German or whatever you've got to be able to. to so they gave you out. the online version. <laughs> Sounds to, like uh, to, some, to some degree half day was, field test. Yeah, it was forty uh, hours. That's a work week. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, and uh, but more importantly, the experience. And I, I can't tell you, I've been on numerous hunts where, uh, especially when you get into the they have a they have a cold plan that each place is required to put together in the beginning of the year. It's called an obshus plan. So they'd want to talk about how many rabbits they were going to take or how many roe deer they were going to take. Wow. You know, either young or, or not. Here's here's the structure we're trying to do to keep the, the management done, and that would be setting done by quote, the— Setting quotas. Exactly, mm. exactly correct. And then they have uh, uh, different uh, meeting groups that would come in, and they were—I couldn't—didn't know if any of them were compensated, but most of them were, you know, they were all hunters— uh, and the, the one that uh, in our area was called Hagee Gemeinschaft Dry. And so Kitsigan County. I wish I could would, make notes on this stuff. Just typing letters. See, he's got it all down, right? He ta- what's Hagee <laughs> means? The gem it's like here. conservation. Uh, Hagee yeah. would be conservation. Okay, Hagee. Gemeinschaft would be basically a, an area, but uh, three just happened to be the number. And so... Uh, and what they would do is they would talk about, you know, different trends and different the rest of it, and they would manage the game. So they were managing the game. The state wasn't managing the game mm. on anywhere other than state land. They met, they managed it through oh. this mechanism where you had hunters and the rest of it. And you were talking about a road deer as if something happened. <laughs> uh, in the area, the police know who has the lease on a given area, 
And if an animal is hit and struck on the road, then it's that local hunter who has the lease, his responsibility to go get it. First of all, he owns the game. He has a right to the meat. And so Um, if it's recoverable, he owns the meat. Yeah. So I had a buddy who, who he happened to be, he had his revere and he happened to be a policeman too. So he called me one night, was on duty and he said, hey, take your dog. They, they said they hit a, they hit a, a deer on this uh, Kitzigenstrasse and so see if you can go find this deer. So we went in there and didn't go very far. You know, even my dog was able to find it pretty quickly. And so we recovered it and all that. But uh, so that was your, that was your responsibility to manage that. And then putting up the, uh, box stands that you know again i always joke about the texans think they invented it but <laughs> they've been doing over in germany forever so the box stands that they use over there is called a consul which is also the word for pulpit but there and there's ladder stands and the rest of it depending but you're responsible for doing those in a certain way that's aesthetic you know blends into the woods and usually it's subdued colors and everything like that and so it's a you so know, it's not just an eyesore sitting out in the field or whatever. No, it's a very, you know, it's a typical German, very formalized, and here's the rules and here's how you do it, and, and understanding, you know, what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and when you're supposed to do, and the rest of it is uh, is, is is why the course is long and the rest of it, that, but you're actually a part of the the game management and understanding it. So it's a, it, it's a much, you know, we wish – you know that american hunters knew that much about the game and understood oh, hell them yeah it's just you know yeah forcing them to take an 18 month course is, is it? yeah it's a little you wouldn't sell no, a but a 40 licenses. hour would be pretty useful uh, it, 18 know. months seems a little much but 40 hours i think yeah. that that would go a long I, way I think. you know i would i would, there's just a lot of it when you look at the the basics of understanding what to do and how to do it and and everything else but again you, you know so we have a fish and game but over there there is no quote fish and game uh you know it belongs to whoever and you can also the meat can be sold you can buy and sell meat mm. uh which is kind of an interesting thing it would be yeah. tricky over here but uh but the truth is then uh, like a lot of the uh state forests uh they also have to they're responsible for having a uh, a cull plan uh also an obtuse plan to be able to do that, you know, take so many of the animals. And uh, and then they usually have a uh, agreement, a, a contract with uh, a meat provider. So they do a swing through, and these guys have got a cooler, you know, that you hang them in and the rest of it, and they swing wow. by periodically and pick up pick the animals, up. and then they can be delivered to to restaurants. Uh, the Hubertus that I told you, St. Hubertus, they would uh, – if you see anything with the name Hubertus in it, is an indicator that they serve wild game, that they specialize in serving wild game. So they do some fantastic sauces and things. You can go to a lot of restaurants and have the term wow. Hassenpfeffer. Hassen is just the German word for for hare or for you know for rabbit, and pepper would be just that. Yeah. So, uh, but it's kind of fantastic that you can get served these meals or have these different things, and so. Yeah, that sounds amazing. What. A- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking to myself, why the – it's it was already some a foundation that they put in place for game management, an incredible one. And it, it's why there's – you think about it, you know, I, it's not, you know, over here, so we've got a history that goes back, you know, a couple hundred years. Sure. And they're, and they're pushing thousands, a couple thousand mm. years. Yeah. And so the, the very fact that they have any – game at all left to hunt that it hasn't been shot out or whatever is because of some of their traditions uh in terms of 
you know, that uh, the the right of the Lord had, you know, in some cases like England or whatever owned the red stag. That was a, you know, it, you know, if Robin Hood, the whole thing that, you know, his merry men would hunt a red stag and the king was ready to shoot him for it. Yeah, yeah. So, that's his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different style and the rest of it, it's not perfect. But what is what is interesting is the amount of time that I saw uh, a different style of game management and a set of, you know, ethics and rules and whatever that have perpetuate hunting. And, and, and there's a lot of similarities in the rest of it, but it's a lot more formal than we're used to. But it provides you with different solutions. You know, the trick is a lot of times, how many times you've heard and say, oh, yeah, that's, we don't do that in Alaska. Alaska, we're different. Well, clearly we're different. Mm-hmm. But we're also, but you can't be afraid to take a solution from somewhere else and adapt it to our situation. I said, you know what? I got an F-150 and it's the same F-150 that they drive in Texas, except mine has a heater block or a block heater to it. Yeah. And I said, and it works the same. So, you know, I could say, I don't want an F-150 because they drive them in Texas, but <laughs> so we got to be smart when you do that. Uh, you know, the uniqueness is the, is the block heater. You know, you adapt things. You take them a look and say, is there a piece of this solution? It's part of, I think, one of you used the term toolbox. Mm. You know, the reality is you want the most expanded toolbox that you can possibly have, and then you want to pull back into your recollection. Remember, how did they used to do that? Yeah. They used to do it a little differently. Maybe if we did something similar, you know, maybe it would work in this situation. That's what you're trying to do. So it was a fascinating time to, uh, and I got to harvest a, you know, you go out with a, a for, a, you know, a forest meister or whatever. I got to harvest a, a red stag. It wasn't a big one. It was what's known as a 2B, which would be a management deer, but it was 13 years old and it was great. And uh, Oh, take the old bull out of there. I was, I went duck cutting with them at, at this pond. Uh, it was a, like a wastewater pond almost, you know, it wasn't full of sewage or anything, but it was runoff. And so uh, there was all these benches in the trees around this pond. And I had a, you know, a retriever with me, a golden retriever that I was training and the rest of it. And so I wasn't sure, you know, and again, I was new, so I wasn't going to, I didn't want to make any mistakes with these guys. I was trying to be, yeah. you know, cool about yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And so we're going to hunt ducks. And so. So we're sitting there, and pretty soon the birds start coming in, and a couple land on the water, and I thought, oh, they're going to let, you know, use them as decoys or whatever, and and, uh, and then it'll be cool. And suddenly, it's just about dark, and I hear, now! <laughs> and they start shooting these things on the water, and I'm like, <laughs> I froze. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> I'm like I, I'm like, and duck hunting wasn't one of their things. I don't know if they do it that way all over, but I was like, I just, I'm like, I can't, I don't think I, you know, my, it's like I forgot how to shoot. I don't think I can shoot one of these things on the water, yeah. you know, and so one of them, and they have mallards too, what they call a stock enten over there anyway. Okay. So, so this thing flies up and by then it's almost so dark, but again, you're not limited if you can see you can shoot you know oh, yeah true so this thing came up and thank god it was skylit it came up and all i could see was a silhouette and i pulled up boom and i shot this thing right out of the air down it went you know a basic duck shot yeah yeah, yeah. and these guys were all doffing their hats going there's a term over there when you greet someone called vitamins heil mm-hmm. it's very famous if you ever it's a it it's used uh, in, in the context it can be a greeting 
uh, can be a, you know, a salutation or whatever it is. And if someone says to you like, Hey, great shot, vitamins Heil, and you answer vitamins dunk, which is say, you know, a thank you. The thank same you. Way. Yeah. Okay. So these guys are all vitamins Heil and doffing their hats at this great duck shot. I made. <laughs> <laughs> you shot it out of the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then it was like time you can to do that. So now the, this pond and it's pretty dark. This pond is littered with dead ducks. And it's like, okay, now what do we do kind of thing? Like I said, that wasn't, you know, this wasn't a duck hunting area. It was like, <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get them to come in and we'll have some fun. And it was like, so this one, uh, she was a young Jaeger. It was, uh, I think, one of the guy's cousins or whatever. And she had just gotten, you know, more women were getting their hunting licenses over there too. And she'd been to the course. But she had this drothar, German drothar, uh-huh. a wire hair, what we'd call a wire hair pointer. Yeah. Um, but they don't you know teach them the same way we do so she brings them up and she was trying to train them to be a a hunting dog so she brings the bump and it's kind of like okay you know fluffy fetch now swim (laughs) (laughs) and she gave him whatever the command was and i mean i knew the german commands but i also knew that the dog really hadn't been trained and he just you know like what are you talking oh, yeah. about what are you talking about it's dark (laughs) and i said and i said well and, and my retriever wasn't trained to do blind retrieves at that time. You know, I I was like, okay, you know, if he, can, if he sees it go down, if I had him with me, he'd be. But I said, I don't know. And I said, and they said, well, you got your dog in the truck, don't you? And I said, they said, well, go get it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I went and got the dog. I don't know what it's so, and I was just, I was just beginning to teach him what they call pile work to get, you know, to go on the command without seeing the bird, you know, and the command is back rather than his name. And so. I said, I don't know if you, I said, you know, we haven't done this. So I yelled, okay, his name was Bucky. I said, Bucky, and I yelled back, and just the excitement shot off and jumped into the water and went about five yards and was like, okay, now what? (laughs) (laughs) I had this big mag light with me that I also got when I did it, and I took that light, and they said, I think there's one over there, and I shined where that light was. The dog saw that light and saw the bird swim over and got it. So we used the light and sent the dog to swim out there, and all it did do was illuminate it with the the light, and the dog would swim over and get it, and we basically cleaned up. Oh, it worked. Training training on the the job. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, my... Not oh, only you, can you, not you're only, a superstar, yeah. man. Yeah. Not only can you, yeah, I got extra drinks that night. Yeah. So it was like, not, not only can you shoot ducks out of the air, but <laughs> your dog can find them. You got to bring a flashlight every time after that yeah. for the dog. Okay. Well, yeah, and Kevin had mentioned before the show um, that it, legally you can shoot animals in the dark, not under artificial light. So no spotlights are flashlights in but germany but yeah say you're up on a feeder or yeah. uh, a stand slash feeder hogs come in as long as you can actually visually see silhouette yeah you can fire so that's a pretty cool option that expands your you know ability yeah. to harvest for at night like i said on a night like this the guys would come up and say you know uh um it's kind of funny because uh, in the, the little military housing that I was in, I didn't uh, work with all the other people that lived there. It was in another town near where I had been stationed. And so, but it was cool because it had woods and all the rest of it. And I wanted, I was able to pull some strings and, and get a housing unit and the rest of it. So some of them were still like, well, how did he get to live here? Kind of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was like one time, it was like a, a German cop car pulls up to the door. And the cop gets out, runs in, and they're like, eh. and it was only a matter of time until they <laughs> until they came and got him. 
<laughs> and they said so and they were nosy you know like so like what happened what's the story you know are you uh you know something going on a little yeah. trouble <laughs> you know how neighbors are yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to get you to talk and i said i and i knew it was then i just kept like well what no what well, i don't know what you're getting at you know what's the story and darn well what it was and so yeah <laughs> And I said, oh, the cop car. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we saw it. The cop car. What was going on? I said, oh, that's Carl Klein. He was stopping by to say that we're going to sit tonight in the, in the Steigerwald to hunt pigs. And he just wanted to let me know. <laughs> they are like, damn it. God uh, damn this guy. The <laughs> just get rid of him. So, we, so you would go up there and pick you up. And it was a, on a moon night, you know, moonlit night. And if it was oh. going to be clear, it would be chilly. They even, the Germans even make like a sleeping bag that goes through that, that you can put your arms out so you can sit there and just stand. Oh, you mean they, oh, they, they didn't just invent that last week? The Whoopi. In Texas. It, it was invented <laughs> in, in Texas. Texas last week. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the original Snuggie. Oh, no. Right? Isn't that it? The Snuggie? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Uh, you know, the yeah, red and blue yeah. blanket? Yeah, they yeah. Have a, you know, but now it's the big Ger- old like new sleeping bag thing. Yeah, so you, you could know? put you could Germans had it all figured out. So you could put it in there and then sit in the stand and the rest of well, stuff. Well, they invented damn near everything. And you could be around for a couple thousand. Everything years. that's good. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, and and doze off or whatever because the pigs when they come in usually make a heck of a racket and so you can oh, hear the rest of it. You, oh. you wake up and then you know harvest the one or whatever and so yeah. But the shooting light thing is a. Uh, um, when Danny, when they when, when we went on that moose hunt last year, they were like asking me about it, and I felt kind of dumb because I was like, "Yeah, that's not really a thing here." He's like, "What?" Because they were like, "What? What's your shooting light end?" And I was like, "Hmm, I don't." I was like, "I'm probably ignorant to this. Maybe we have a rule about shooting light in Alaska." I was like, "It doesn't really come up because it's like." Always light <laughs> all the time. I was like, and then when it's dark, because you, you have for a beer. It is a thing. Like everywhere, I, I remember, like yeah. as a kid in Pennsylvania, like that was a thing. For exactly. Sure. Like Anywhere else, you know, the times it starts at yeah. this time, ends at that time. Usually dawn to dusk. Yeah. Usually, you know, a little before. And I was after. trying to, I, I was trying to like kind of think about it, and I was like, dude, I don't really know because like right now we're losing like seven minutes a day as we're in like, and he was. They were kind of amazed, you know, we're like 13 days in the moose camp. And he's like, yeah, man, since we've tell. been here. You can tell. He's like, we're getting, like, from the first day we got here, we're now getting up, like, almost a half an hour later. I was like, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. As long as you can make an ethical shot with your equipment, then yeah. you can yeah. take the shot. But it's got to be, and again, uh, we were talking about the size of the German hunting scope. It's a very common scope. is a Zeiss 3 to 12 by 56. Because you can a variable scope because you can turn it down and you know usually Draw when it's dark light. you turn it down to seven and you're still being able to see in the dark with it if you will uh, better than you know your eye can gather the light and the rest of it but that's the whole point but but you know and it's also got coated optics and you know just like Swarovski and the rest of it yeah. and by the way you tell these you tell I oh, yeah, I got some of them good German optics and you're like oh yeah like what well like Swarovski and these Germans will start. Swarovski is Austrian. Yeah. (laughs) To us, to us, it's those guys. But to a German, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, you just insulted, you know? Uh You just poured Jägermeister on my boots, and then. So Those are fighting words. Over yeah, there. yeah, it is. Don't it's, mess with that it, shit. It's the, the the things that we're used to saying, and then you don't realize the subtleties of Dang what, uh, yeah, how it how it actually yeah. works. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Let's do it.
Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters and outdoor enthusiasts with the highest quality gear and equipment since they opened their doors in 1963. Barney's carries exclusive brands such as Alpaca Rafts, Sitka Sims, XO Mountain Gear, Hilleberg, and much more. Barney's prides themselves with keeping a huge stock on hand of various top-of-the-line tents, footwear, sleeping bags, optics, cross-country skis, just to name a few. Barney's is also the exclusive retailer of Montana Knives, Seek Outside, Kafaru, Stone Glacier, and their in-house brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Barney's has a superior selection of top-rated boots, sleeping bags, dry bags, mountaineering gear, electronics, and accessories. Need freeze-dried food or mountain snacks? They got that too. Barney's now has an amazing new paperback catalog available for in-store pickup or online order. Visit them today at barneysports.com, or even better, stop by the store in Anchorage at 906 West Northern Lights. If you want the best, there's only one name in the game, Barney's Sports Chalet. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage for 47 years, has expanded three stores. The main store, the largest Skidoo sled dealer in North America, also has Can-Am, Sea-Doo, Climb, Suzuki Outboards, Honda Outboards, Generators, and Snowboards, Kingfisher Boats, and so much more. Alaska Motorsports and Equipment just next door, which was previously Anchorage Suzuki Arctic Cat, for all your Arctic Cat, Suzuki ATV, Asvarna, Generac, Mahindra Tractor, and now Argo Pro and Sasquatch needs. And to round it out, also next door, the brand new Alaska Mining Superstore, for the largest selection of recreational and light commercial mining equipment anywhere, period. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. When you pull up to the Treehouse, you'll notice the beautifully hand-drawn art by Alaska's own Ted Kim. Once you get inside, you're going to see many of the same people that have been there since they opened. The bud tenders know you and what you like and what new product you should be checking out. The store is super clean and the music's always on point. The Treehouse and local owner Josh Boots is a staple in the cannabis culture through his music, community givebacks, and a lifetime desire to bring the people of Alaska the best products available. The Treehouse always has at least 25 strains available, and they're all shown prominently deli-style in clear, openable jars so you can see and smell your options. Other products include edibles, concentrates, vape carts, pre-rolls, flour, dab rigs, and anything else you need, they got it. They also have some pretty sick merchandise for sale. Check out the treehouseak.com, or better yet, stop by the Treehouse today and get started on their loyalty program. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store, the Treehouse, where the culture lives. They, um... <laughs> the girl, uh, I think one of the main girls that's on Meat Eater. They, they've gone over this because she got a very German um, hunting dog and <clears throat> it's gone through this program and that is, uh, yeah, they basically. So the final test is the dog has to run and jump. It, it Basically, again, whatever, whatever command they give it, but, the, you know, it will, you know, kill a cat. And so, because when you look at it, and I'm a. I'm an admitted cat liker. I like cats. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, but. You look uh, like you like cats. But uh, thank you. <laughs> and so it was. Uh, cat kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you some, some more stories about your family when I'm done here. So it's, like a, <laughs> so it's uh, uh, so, but they're super efficient 
killers like a small birds and the rest of it. And if you look at even, uh, I think National Geographic did a special on them like barn cats. And barn cats, you know, left to their own devices, which a lot of them are, almost totally replicate a lion pride. Mm. So the Tom will come and kill off kittens and the rest of it to take over the, uh, you know, the group the and the rest lions, of it. Yeah. And you look at, they, they followed them around and you look at the number of birds and small critters that they harvested was huge. So if you're responsible for the game on an area and you own the rabbits, you own the, oh. you know, go, and the rest of it, it's money out of your pocket. They can sell that. That's how they pay for the, the, the lease is they're able to sell so much a kilo for like roe deer and the rest of that stuff. They're able to sell the, the, that meat to a restaurant or to another person or whatever. Right. And I mean, they keep records on it and all that, but so they're supposed to be able to, uh, to manage the animal that way. So on top of population management, I mean, it's financial gain. Yeah. It's all inner, inner it's, it's incredible. I mean, that, that kind of management is just next level and it's crazy to me. Well, it's a lot of trust that too. And tradition and, yeah, the, you talk horn blowers and all kinds of stuff when you get into the formal hunts. Yeah. At the end of the year, you're talking about, you know, they've got, they'll blow. Each different animal has its own uh, honor song. So they'll they'll play, you know, Hirsch Tote, which is, you know, dead Hirsch to this honor and the rest of it based on the hierarchy. You see on some of these, like, wild boar fever. Yeah, yeah. You'll see mm-hmm. that they're laid out. Every fifth animal is forward, so they can count. They call that the streka. They're laid out on pine boughs uh, around there with torches, typically called kerzen or candles is the other word. But, I mean, when you see one and you participate and you understand all the all the rest of it, and usually the guy who's in charge has a speech at the end, say we've had a good hunt, it's been safe. Yeah, I have seen know. that. Yeah, and so it's a you know ceremonious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 kind of a neat, interesting thing to do. It may not be for everyone all the time, but it's one of those things that's truly cool yeah. to experience. Wow, yeah, yeah, very beautiful. tradition. Well, it keeps the tradition and the honor of it alive, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, I pulled up your picture of your elk there. This is New Zealand. No, no, no. I mean, stag, stag. Sorry. Yeah. That's a. It's a monster. It's a little guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Was, Jesus. It was kind of like, yeah. That was a. That was a, It was kind of neat to see him, you know, down in a valley and the rest of it, and so it was kind of like, uh, got to do some hunting over there, doing that, and then I took a management one, which was a heck of a nice little stag, and the guy just said, okay, he's, he's down there this area, and he's got these real long points on him. They call him the Germans used to call him murderers because if they get a real long spike on the top, then, you know, you're talking about a gorgeous animal like this that that young animal can kill because that oh, can antler stick can, go, him with that one. Can, mm-hmm. can stick him with the one. And so they said, we kind of want him out of the herd, so I got to go do something. So if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had that happen in Africa, you too, where I got to do down. my own mini safari for a day. It was like, okay, take the, you know, take the tracker and go shoot a, you know, a, a, a bush buck and i'm like okay yeah. let's go that <laughs> um, thing right there is heavy yeah, so is that considered the crown on the right side there where it does it have to have like four points yeah, around like that is usually that three, three usually okay. at least three and then oh, they call okay. that and so you know i you know it's kind of good but i don't really like them much i'll say trashier than that some guys like the points oh yeah crazy yeah, no. and it's cool it's cool. I mean, and it's yeah. what it's whatever you like. But I like the kind of the confirmation. Here it is, and yeah, and really good looking and head. And you can see what the the little knobs called perlin, I guess in German. I forget what we call them, but uh, so it uh, 
that's kind of the you know the indication that it's kind of a neat. To I like them like that, where it looks more not like I guess what it, with white tails they call them non typicals, right? Mm. When they get all crazy, I, I, he's because they symmet- get like too much protein. He looks more symmetrical if you could call it that in terms of where the brows mm. are, yeah. and then his points come off and like you, you see those center points. So below the crown, there's those like they almost look like brow tines, but. Obviously, they're not brow tines are on That's the beam. guard, right? Yeah, yeah. but they're they're very, they're very like similar in terms the of these guys. Two I on can, each side. I, I mean, can, I'm looking at that thing and I'm thinking like that guy. That thing probably like if he had a last word, it was probably like, "Thank you, I've been tired of holding this damn thing up." <laughs> yeah, my neck is killing me. Good, good size neck and all the rest of it, but uh, looks hot too. We've got uh, it looks warm, beautiful in that photo, man. One of the things we're doing right now on our on the website, if you go to it, is you'll see that we. Have got an all expenses paid trip to New Zealand, and a lot of them. When you see these uh, these hunts, you know, part of the fun of being able to talk to folks about the hunting is is show them these are the ins and outs of things that you wonder about because we're always terrified of being taken advantage of. You want to know mm-hmm. what does that cost, uh, how much is that going to be, or what do I do? But a lot of those. Um, uh, so that's a four thirty eight, which is plenty big enough for me and the rest of it. But you see a lot of nice ones that are like in the 380 range and the rest of it. But when you typically buy one at a live auction, you'll see that, you know, 360 or 380, which is not a bad one, but pretty much guys want to upgrade. And that's part of the part of the the deal of how they work it but the one the hunt that we're doing has got like a 500 inch tag in it up to 500 so you're like oh this is crazy but we also do all expenses paid which includes your trip and everything oh that's what this one is and a hundred dollars for a ticket airfare we got we got it pulled up here kevin this is is that and only 1200 tickets and so the i you know we're really in the people business you know the truth is you know, we do, we're conservation. We're a conservation organization, but conservation doesn't mean anything without a people as a target yeah. about mm. why you're doing it. So we we kind of limit the number of tickets uh, so that you know uh, we'll figure out what's a reasonable amount to make a profit margin on top because it all goes to conservation. Yeah. yeah. But we're not one of those ones that does. Well, let's do unlimited tickets, and then you find out you got one in a trillion chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You then know. you don't want to do the raffle again. And then you're like, okay, folks, we want you to at least it's it is what it is. This is about as low as we can make it, and still make some money for conservation, which is what our it's a perfect balance between the two, man. That's what we're trying to achieve, and we do it all expenses. Because on a lot of these hunts, I, we, we've got one on Namibia the same. Well, we've got a Rocky Mountain goat on. Uh, with Joey Kluch uh, over on uh, Kodiak. Kodiak that we're doing. And when I figured it out and did all the numbers, you know, from I was telling you part of the background is I'm a quantoid. I'm a number cruncher. Yeah. So to say what it was, but the, the hunt normally is 20 grand. But when you figure out, pl- you know, airfares and all the other stuff, which happens, it, it was another 10, 12 grand. So mm-hmm. the average guy comes up with 100 bucks for the ticket. And wins it, and he can't really afford the ten grand to take the hunt. Now, yeah. what kind of crap is that? Yeah, yeah, right. that's right, that's right. right. So we yeah. came up yeah, with it would these. Suck to win it and then still not be able to go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard enough just to find time because well, life happens to and, even do the hunt. And, and you're and you're looking at a time when you know uh, we one of the first things we when we kind of I was asked to restart the Wild Sheep Foundation here in Alaska was we had a stone sheep hunt and we gave it away, and suddenly you know called out the name here you go or the number and and uh, 
I was getting nothing. It was supposed to be in the room. And I'm like, where is this in the room? And, and finally somebody said, I think he's in the back and the rest of it. And I said, well, that's not enough of I wanted to hear hooting and hollering and screaming and the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear somebody yell and make him. That's the fun of it is yeah. when someone goes ballistic when you give it away and the rest of it. So I said, I may pull another ticket. What's the story? And <laughs> my wife is waving at me like, you know, no, don't, no, whatever. And I'm like, okay, come on up here. So the guy comes up. And later on, she happened to be back there, you know, working the membership table and was watching him. Uh, and his first name is Nick. I don't want to use his last name because I haven't asked him. But yeah. he won this All thing. Right. He was so excited, he lost his voice. <laughs> wow that's what you want man there you go wow. genuine happiness that's that's it i got every bit of, out of uh, as much out of that hunt as he did i guarantee it yeah, yeah and that's, that's cool. what we're looking for that's why it's about people uh last year we had a, a guy that uh, we had packages of tickets that were 15 grand a piece for the the uh alaska trifecta which included a muskox uh, a uh sheep and also a goat here in alaska and the guy that won that put a bunch of money into it he actually donated the goat hunt back which is what we're using here because he said i won't use it yeah nice enough to do that the guy that won the new zealand hunt bought one ticket so exactly exactly the extremes that you want to show that it's a fair and it just is what it is if you can real lottery if you can afford it and you really want to chase and do the dream, you can put some money into these and have a, a good chance periodically of scoring and the rest of it. On the other hand, if all you got is the 100 bucks in your pocket, we want you to have a chance to win the thing. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really cool on there. It says how many tickets are left, too. There's like a little count. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That looks good. That, that always throws us, too, because the <laughs> we had to trick the software a little bit into doing that because i had to go in and adjust before and now we found out a way of doing it because it wasn't built into their uh, what it was oh. is when we sell if you sell them all the same you know a uh, hundred dollars a piece but we always build price breaks into it yeah so you can do more and what it couldn't do is it couldn't account for the number of tickets based on those price breaks. so we had to use to go in and manually update it uh, what a pain and in so the butt it was and then some people would drive you nuts because some there are wonderful people out there, and there's some maybe not so wonderful. They're are you say, calling well, those conspiracy theorists? <laughs> <laughs> what's the story on this one here? You know, what's the... Yes, fucking rigged. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you get that oh, a lot. Oh, you know, and it only man, happens periodically, but, but yeah, it does. It angers me and the rest of it. Like I said, I'll shoot back in a flash. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, winning, like the guy that I'm telling you, in both of the cases, those two winners, one guy had a whole bunch of money because he's a big business owner on the East Coast, and he's coming. All he wanted was the muskox hunt, so he was coming to do the muskox oh, hunt. The he In fact, he's out there right now doing it on Nunavik Island. Oh, wow. Okay. So oh, good luck that to time of year, yeah. Good, yeah. good luck to him. So that's what we hope for. Uh, and then the other guy was just, I can't tell you how thrilled I am. I bought one ticket, and oh, my God, I can't believe this is, a, you know, of a lifetime. Yeah. I, Lord, this is the... You know, and we still hear from the guy that won the New Zealand hunt the year before, Steve Cuisenberry. And so he's always checking in. If you need pictures or recommendations, this is great. He bought yeah. tickets on this year. So you hear about those guys. And then there's the one guy, oh, yeah, you know, rigged. Who won the, the guy? Yeah. Say, uh, you get let, me get, let me give you a tip. A lot of this winning is about karma. Mm. I really believe yeah, it because you meet vibes, people. Oh, absolutely, you, you, man. you meet people that win more than once, and the rest of it. So I just gave you an example of three people, different stations in life, all sure. with great karma. One of the last times, a guy that I that I talked to who 
does not qualify for that particular category. I told him, listen, dude, there's no point in you putting in for any of our raffles or anybody's raffles. We play them completely honest and the rest of it. But the truth is, your karma sucks. You're never yeah. going to win anything. You're, yeah. win so you're wasting your money. negative Nancy bullshit in here. Yeah. So uh, you you hear those people? I hear people complain about it all the so time, true. just on like the Alaska draw tags, right? Like it's coming up, and people are just like, "I've been putting in for twenty five years, never drawn anything. How how is it possible that Steve Vernella puts in one time and he draws elk on a fog net?" And I'm like, "Well, I one he probably has been putting in for twenty years, also, <laughs> and not just one time." And but he said he would never go back. Yeah, <laughs> true. that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's one, true. one and done. The, but 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 you're exactly correct. Yeah. So uh, it's just like, well, yeah. If you, you don't believe, believe that you'll ever draw anything, then you won't. I put yeah. my neighbor and I in for a bison hunt, and he had never didn't even know how to do it. And the first year, got drawn. It was my luck and the rest of it. But it's like, it has to do with the the karma and the rest of it. That's and it's right. it's called statistics. You can take the college course, or you can just trust us. It doesn't have to be rigged. It just happens that way sometimes. Sure. So you never know. And I can tell you one way you'll never get a tag. Is if you don't draw for it, so just yeah. if you don't put in, freaking for it. don't apply. Throw it in, certainly won't. Yeah, and walk away, man, uh, and roll with it. Yeah. It's a donation. This and if anything, is. it goes to a good cause. That's it. it. I always does. look at these things as here it is. This is my annual donation, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so roll with it. And uh, I said I do a lot of this stuff as a volunteer. I've been doing it for nine years, but I do that because even though I had to work hard to make money and do this to do these hunts. Oh, there's luck involved, and the good Lord takes over too. So sooner or later, you kind of say, eh, it's time for me to pay back a little bit here. Mm. It, but if you want good things to happen to you, you do good things for other people. And That's then right. it works out. It always works out. Yeah, You're never so wrong. Well. You're never wrong. I want to talk I, about I, more I of these couldn't stuff. Well said, more. man. So well said. Look, well at this, said. look at this stone. So where's this at? Uh, that's in British Columbia, Terminus Mountain Outfitters. Uh so it was, uh, I don't know, what, the fourth day, fifth day? So I did, you know, I'd done a, a, a doll sheep up here when I first got to Alaska because I wasn't sure how long I was going to be up here when I was still in the military. And yeah. so and uh, after a 10-day backpack hunt, you know, I shot one that was, I was in an area that was an any ram, and it was like a three-quarter curl. Today I'd probably leave it on the mountain, but back then I was thrilled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted sure. to take one of everything, Yeah, you know, greedy and trying to do it. And so... Um, uh, but after I finally, you know, after I left the military and got some other jobs and, uh, some of them paid out pretty well, I got, so I could kind of afford to do some other hunts and I started to, to look around and I wanted to do like a lot of you, you got a bucket list. And so I did a Rocky mountain bighorn and then said, okay, you know, and that, and I was successful and, you know, and, you know, out of uh, probably out of three hunters in that particular area, only two of us got lucky, but was that the, the Chadwick? society ram and no the one you you wanted to hunt in like 22 right yeah i did i've, I've won a couple actually really yeah oh he's got and the so, good karma yeah there was one i think you did a, uh, a mexico bighorn i did i did one and i did my first a one on desert Car bighorn in mexico i, I did say. one on carmen island and uh my first one for my slam uh and it was part of this at that same time so i did that bighorn i turned around and went to carmen island that following february and got lucky on a desert and then i would did the stone sheep the next one so i shot the first one in 97 and then it took a whole bunch of years like till, till 2011 and then i did three in nine months and so it was like it was 
Just, so just slinging that Island, karma, baby. Just Carmen Island's got is a is a heck of a good. But I mean, there's also do a lot of archery sheep there, huh? It's a really cool area in uh, off Baja. It's a uh, you know. I've seen the videos and photos where you just got the beautiful pe- beaches beautiful and ocean place. in the background. My wife went down and Damn just chilled. And chilled. Paradise. It was it was originally like a salt mine, so they would pull out the water and flood the area and then let it dry out and then would harvest the salt. And so there was a little hacienda on the beach, so she spent her time with her feet up and being. You know, taken care of, and I went out and got blisters on my feet. So it was like <laughs> different types of vacation. Yeah. yeah, it was good. But then we could get together in the evening. Like I said, yeah. I I never hunt to get away from my family. Anytime I can include mm. family and do the hunt, then it's like uh, nice. So it's a kind of a one thing. So the Carmen, the rest of it, or do things nice. You know, there's a there's a philosophy that's kind of evolved over the years, and and a lot of it has to do with. You know, whenever you're taking care of other people or working with them, it's good stuff is going to happen to you. Just it's a question yeah. of when. So you're never wrong. And even if somebody quote someone says, "Well, I always worry about that person taking advantage of me," you know, the reality is, if you do something nice for someone and they happen to juke you somehow, it doesn't matter. It doesn't lessen your no. It's on them. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. It's not that's on right. you. They got to live with it. So yeah, if that's you on them. if that's you talk about comment. if you talk about doing good things, so it, it's just going to happen to you. So I like that. Yeah, you got to put it yeah, into the ether. That a lot. I like that a lot. Got to put it out there. Spoken like a true Jägermeister. <laughs> there you go. There it is. There it's it is. A, got the name of the show. And, and I would <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just playing the games and not you know buying ungodly amounts as I told you. Yeah. For yeah. for what I've been drawn for or won two desert bighorns and a and a Rocky Mountain goat which I donated to the organization. But it's like. That stuff is out there, and I know other guys that make me look foolish when you look at because I don't really have luck. You know, mine's kind of calculated, but it's like good people, you know, do the yeah. right thing. Good stuff it, is going to happen. I pulled up your lion photo there. That thing is a monstrosity. <laughs> That's a nice kitty, isn't it? My God. I told you I like Big cats. Cat. Big cat. <laughs> wow. Is Did that you? Colorado? No, that's uh, British Columbia. Okay. British Columbia, wow. was up in the mountains, and that we uh, I got there to do the hunt, and the guy said uh, – Hey, listen, I, I don't know. Oh, you, you do the stone? No, I got oh, there to oh. do, I, I went up there to do that. And okay. So, and uh, so it was uh, uh, in in working on that, uh, or getting ready, he said, uh, well, I don't know, I met him like at noon or whatever, at the at parking lot or whatever, and we were going to go to his lodge, and he said, I don't know how you feel, but the guys have got a track spotted, and they want you to go, you know, will you go now? Or And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm here to hunt. So I went, we went back to the lodge and changed in the clothes and went out and, Got on the snow machines and started back in. You know, introduced a couple of the guys, and they had dogs with them and the rest of it. And we went up to a moose kill, a fresh moose kill. And so, uh, and said, "Here it is." And they put the dogs out, and I saw the track, and the track looked small to me. I thought, "Okay, I don't know exactly what I'm looking at here yeah. first time." And uh, they put the dogs, and the dogs went down the mountain. And the other guy, he said, "We're going to follow the dogs. You." He'll take you around, or we'll see, you know, if we get on it, and then you can cross the trail because yeah. the snow was, like, waist deep. And so. Oh, wow. So we went around the rest of it, and so pretty soon we heard him belly aching. They said, bring him down. We went around. Well, what happened is. We're talking. You heard the dogs. Yeah, heard. Yeah. And that no. was because it was in a, in a big, big bowl-like, and it wasn't that far away. It was just mm-hmm. tough terrain because of the snow more than yeah. anything. And. uh so we rode the, the snow machine along, continued along the logging trail, got in, and then started to work our way down. And it was like trudging down. It was downhill. 
good to go. Oh, yeah. p- post holing all the way down? Yeah, you know, working down waist deep, one leg after the other. And oh. you could hear they were just up there a couple hundred yards. And I stopped, and the one guy was with me. He said, are you okay, okay? And I said, yeah, it's just going too fast. <laughs> you know, I've been out here you know, an hour and 15 minutes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It catch my breath here, You know, man. I want my money's worth yeah, out of this yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let me soak it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly what. I wanted yeah. to stop, and I'm like, okay. Here's the, how, do I de- how do I describe this? You know yeah. what I mean? So we, sure. we got down to it. And what had happened was, told me later, he said, I think you're right. He said, I think that was a female they were following because it wasn't a huge track. Went down and crossed his track. Oh. And he just he just killed another moose, and you can see that's why he looks so huge. That belly is full. Oh yeah. He's, so he oh. he like treed right away. He's like, I ain't running anywhere. <laughs> this is killing me. You know, I'm full, so man. He, he did. So I've got even some other pictures where he's right. And I got there, and I said, okay, you don't don't mind if I take some pictures, do you? And they're like, yeah. Well, he's like right there, and I yeah. got the camera out and I'm snapping. He's got saliva coming out his oh, mouth yeah. as he's growling. Or, oh yeah. And I said, so then I. Had a little uh, little lever action, I little Marlin. Uh, I think it was a three fifty seven or forty four Magnum or whatever, and said, "You know, I'll use a little gun on him. Don't need much." And I whacked him once, and he fell out of the tree. Took a shot as he was falling. It took him in the paw. Didn't really much, but the first shot was enough. He hit the ground and then slid down. So the tree was above where we were there, but so I don't know. I judged him at about one hundred and seventy five. He was. <sighs> He was a big cat. Yeah, that thing's huge. Yeah, made, a, made a great mount. I did a full mount out of him, and he's just. Yeah. What, what is um like? What's so you know how you you square a bear out and skull not, skull measurement oh, skull on the cat Sa- same way same as, as, a, as a bear same as a bear okay when they do square out say you did a rug out of a cat okay what do they square what you know big bear is ten foot so a big cat what is that square to do you even know i i don't know off except curious i'd say i'd say probably a huge number when you think about it because what do they tell you for a bear you know you start at the tip of the nose and go to the tail yeah so if you do the cat you got about four feet of tail yeah (laughs) oh true so i don't know if they'd ever do it that way or not but it would be a good size well and he killed a moose oh yeah yeah i mean anything you think about it, they're they're shyrus in that particular area. I think okay. uh, according to SCI, mm. a smaller no, moose yeah, then uh, Boone and Crockett and shyrus at the at the Canadian border. Uh, okay. SCI takes a loop, a small loop up by Kelowna in that way into British Columbia and a corner of Alberta and goes down. If you're you know if you're chasing the book something, gotcha. So, but Did you the, eat any of that? Did you try a cat? I did not. I no. got a buddy from Wisconsin. He's like, oh, man, cats, good eating. I'm like, I'm not eating a cat. One of the best burgers I've ever had. Really? Served yeah. it to a whole party at the lake. Didn't tell anyone. <laughs> they all told me. They're I, like, dude, what'd you put in that burger? Like, I could probably serve. A- I could make tuna casserole out of nine lives, and you wouldn't know. But it's like, but I'm not doing it. It was fa- unbelievable meat. Unbelievable. I want to talk about this like other one pork. here. What do we got here right there? What is this one? The polar bear. Oh, that's crazy! I like that that jacket you said it was made out of caribou. Yeah, they 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 have you hunt traditionally. So this is uh, Resolute wow. Bay up in Canada. It's uh, about five hundred miles south of the North Pole, and so you go over you know past Hudson Bay up that way, and then they give the tags up there. You can still hunt polar bear in in Canada, but you can't import it back into the U.S. because of the mm-hmm. little old ladies in California don't want you to. And so, um, <laughs> what they are? <laughs> yeah, pretty. So much. my bear is still trapped in Canada, probably. So anyway, um, 
And but uh, you go out and uh, to the village. I can't remember what the name of the village offhand might have been Resolute. Might have been uh, since it was uh, that bay. And met some nice people and the rest of it. Uh, and they give they they give the permits to the local native Inuit. And basically, their cousins are over here. And uh, and then they have a choice. Do they want to harvest them themselves or they want to sell the permits to oh, an outfitting company. Gotcha. I, went with, I went with Canada North. And so then you have to go out. You wear the traditional uh, caribou. And I had, uh, I've got another picture with me in my regular kind of, you know, slope park kind of thing. Okay. Did so you have I, that under that? Yeah, I had another. I, no, I had, uh, I just had another two, you know, I had a backup gear with me. Okay. Always, you know, if one is... You know, two is one and one is none. So yeah, <laughs> so I was ready. It was forty below, so it was kind of like you know, but it was a dry cold, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so, it's dry cold. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not so cold when it's dry. No, so but uh, it, it's just you know going just outside. Just crack open. That's just all. going back out, you know, to whiz on the ice is like a little bit tough. But anyway, so uh, you go in in what we would call uh, you, you. So you ride on a sled, a dog sled, with the guide. And they're allowed to use one snow machine that pulls uh, usually a support sled. In this case, he had built a, a, a tent, a double wall tent on that. So rather than set up a tent kind of thing or have a shelter. Oh, almost like pulling like an ice house. Yeah. Kind of deal. And so, uh, it, it, in fact, it looked, it looked close to like that. And so. A and, travel trailer. <laughs> yeah. on skis. Not, not exactly a travel trail. And and then the sleds are called a comatic is what they are and they and they're about, you know, it's almost like um like uh, glue lamb uh supports that they make the runners out of so they're about that wide and you know about that tall and thick and then just slats across the rest of it and you just sit on it. There was a mm. box behind me kind of like a cooler I could lean on. It's yeah. kind of like a train, right? You're kind of cruising in a... Well, you're going, you're, you're only that far off the ice, you know? Yeah. At one point, the guy hit a, a real bad bump and I wasn't looking and I fell off. He kept going. I thought, <laughs> oh, I said, sooner or later, he's going to realize he doesn't have the hunter with him. So yeah. he didn't get too far down. Hopefully sooner, not it was later. A it was, <laughs> it was down, the, and down feeling, the pressure ridge. So. I'm feeling like that good karma was probably looking out for you since those are crawling around out there. They come I, in, they come right into camp. <laughs> So I meant uh, okay. even that did he? Uh, uh, we saw one that was about an eight footer, and, I, and they said, "What size do you want?" Well, we went out. Uh, so we, you know, you got the caribou uh, stuff. You, and it's like, ah, I'd like to take some of this with you, and you say you don't want it because it's not really tanned. <laughs> oh, so it's a little. Uh, it's, it's like urine cured or something yeah, like that. But, yeah, you know, if it if if it ever warms up, you don't gotcha. want to be around them, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like. But it, it was toasty, warm. It was nice and warm yeah. and cool. That's my and idea so, with the. Told you about the this. Black bear, yeah. And bear. so uh, anyway, uh, we went about 127 kilometers out on the ice, and uh, and wow. uh, so we'd seen one that was about eight, eight and a half footer, and I said I wanted at least nine, you know, uh, and so. Uh, at one point, uh, this guy came into camp, and the dogs were uh, staked out already. And so I think it was in the morning. We were doing the morning spot. You'd spot in the morning spot in the evening, move during the day, mm-hmm. oh. you know, see if you see anything, and stop periodically on pressure ridges. They would climb the pressure ridges in glass looking for the bears. But, you know, anything out there to them is food. It's like, you know, they don't know this, you know, people kind of thing now. Yeah, you know, Maybe they will after because of the ice moving in, and they'll get more time on shore. But okay but at this point anything on the ice is fair game for them and they're feeding uh to take to feed the dogs they take seals 
like, I don't know whether they'd be harbor seals or what they'd be, but small seals. And, you know, basically they're frozen. They're been in the shed and they stack them up on the front of the sled like cordwood. It looks like logs. For the food? And then they chop them up for the dogs to gnaw on and the rest of it, feed them like every other day when they stake them out. Anyway, so. They give you and, and that, that too? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seal sickles? Then, then they. Uh, <laughs> That you know, only worse thing than being out, you know, 127, you know, kilometers from a bathroom is having, you know, problems. Oh, no. <laughs> so I wasn't experimenting with any no. food. Yet. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't probably know. not enough baby me. wipes you could probably I didn't, even bring. I didn't want to. Didn't want to ruin the caribou pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so it was. Uh, so anyway, the the bear came in and the guy, you know, said, you know, let me go check it. And he jumped on the snow machine and did a big loop around. Check the track, you know, just like we checked okay. and said, yeah, it's it's over nine feet and the rest of it. And so, but it came in and two of the dogs went out and they kind of harassed it and it would it would trot along and swing at the dog. It wasn't bothered, but it went all the way around us and loops. So then we followed it around and then came up to it. And by then, the dogs had been harassing it and it was it laid down in the snow and was kind of panting because they're not used to running. Oh, and they're so I mean they're so warm and overheated and so. Okay. We got within about 50 yards of it and then came up on it. And I was had a 338 blazer with me. And oh, so I was getting ready to ask you I, what the firearm was. I handed the rifle to the, the guide and said, here, hold this a little bit. And he didn't speak English. He was looking at me and I reached in, pulled out my camera, <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking pictures and the rest of it. And so then, <laughs> then I took the rifle back and leaned in and yeah. just two quick shots. And so, so they can't let you bring it back. Do they hold it for you? Uh, you, what do you donate it? I've got it. I've got it at a friend's place. At a storage and, or okay. So yeah, you he's a guy I hunted my Shiver Smooth with, and I talked to him about once a year. So okay, yeah. one of these days maybe I'll figure it out. But you know, I was also told that okay, we can sell them. There was a big market for them at the time, and then that market died in the meantime. So you know, I you know, and and it's not a necessarily a cheap hunt, but I tell you, just as far as cool. Yeah. I had to be driving somewhere, and I'd look over at my wife, and I'd say, "Did I tell you I shot a polar bear?" Because <laughs> it was just so, to say that it was just so neat in the whole experience of doing what it was, and so uh, yeah. I had a question about the Shiras moose. I've asked this before, but I don't think we've had anyone on the show that's probably shot a Shiras and an Alaskan moose, Yukon moose. Is there a difference in the taste of the meat? Uh, not that I noticed. You know, you know, it's like uh, okay. I shot a white tail in Texas. I shot a white tail in Kansas. I shot a white tail. Was there a difference? And the, the truth is, it depends on what they're eating. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah. you know, in that part of British Columbia where I was, and uh, willow pretty much all Similar tastes the same. Yeah. You know, so I don't think that there was a, that I noticed. To me, moose is one of the better tasting meats. It doesn't have a very gamey taste. And yeah, what's you know, your favorite? Uh moose is still probably one of the ones you know yeah. we do a lot of moose burger kind of stuff you know i'm not big fancy as far as the stuff i've had also my wife learned in germany cook what's known as big game belgium where you could take a roast in a certain way and it had a neat sauces and stuff like that on it so you know by the time you put it in sauce and uh and the rest of it, it's hard to say that this what's what yeah, yeah what's exactly yeah, the taste because it the cooks into the game meat yeah, yeah. So it's how it's prepared. So. Yeah. What's maybe the most exotic thing you've had? Uh, probably monkey. Oh. Whoa. 
And that was when I was special forces, you know, like in Guatemala or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was like, oh, you know, or Thailand or one of those. And so, you know, like. See, that would be my line. Got to have, got to have, try this out and see what you like. And uh, See, that's where I'd have to draw the line. See, like you don't want to eat a cat. There's no way I'm eating monkey. That's too close. <laughs> too close? It's too close to me, man. Uh, Porto York, I knew him well. Yeah, it's like, no, I, <laughs> it's close. Maybe it's close to you, but not to me. I, <laughs> I just, uh, I just, if something can go like this to me, I don't want to eat it. You, you know, I've been around all kinds of monkeys and baboons, and I've never had one of them flip me off. <laughs> never once have I done that. Seen it in Costa Rica. <laughs> seen it in Costa Rica, what they, man. Howler monkey. You got you to to teach yeah i don't know who taught him but you gotta teach him how to do that well i had a guy one time too say he wrecked a car because a sloth ran out in front of him so it's hard they just jumped out of the ditch man, oh, man. <laughs> super <laughs> slow do <laughs> you know what a sloth is you know? <laughs> he funny. didn't think that one no, out very well no he didn't it, it was out. it was like oh, okay Bro, Excuse worst me. lie ever. Just not. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I told that to my grandson the other day because he was talking about sloths or something. I said, hey, I had a guy. It didn't all ring true with him. I mean, I understood, you know, because he doesn't drive. He's like 10, but I'm like, yeah. This guy claimed, yeah, I was cutting. It was in Panama. There was a, from one side of the isthmus to the other, there was like a jungle area drove through and he was driving through there. He said, I wrecked the car because a sloth ran out in front of me. <laughs> okay. And got that. And was the monkey flipping you off too while you're <laughs> Yeah, I got it. It's one of those. You can write that down. We'll we'll save that one. Oh, it's all getting written down. It's all getting it. written down there. Um, Wild Sheep Foundation, are they in Canada? Who? <laughs> yes. They are? We're all over. All over. Yeah. How many states? Uh, there's 19 jurisdictions in North America that have uh, wild sheep. So uh, they're probably, you know, there's Yukon, uh, uh, British Columbia, Alberta. Uh, I don't think there's anything over farther east out of Alberta. But in the U.S., there's an eastern chapter. they got a big event going right now. There's a Midwest chapter. Uh, Iowa does a good job and the rest of it. And I always tease them because Craig Nakamoto runs it down there, and he's a hell of a good guy. I think he's Hawaiian originally. So I always tease him about. It. I said, "So what is it you do for sheep stuff in Iowa? Like have a shearing contests, or what is it that?" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so it's like a lot of things. And then there are, pro- and then uh, so throughout, you know, California, Nevada, uh, Arizona, Texas, and that there's not chapters per se in Mexico, but you've got a number of okay. different states in Mexico, mm. and that and, they, and you say jurisdictions because. U.S. And, and Mexico are states, but in in Canada you got territories and provinces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the only way to really cover it is to say that. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Wondered about that. But it's spread spread out nicely, though. We currently have, you know, we're running right now about eight hundred members uh, overall, and we have life members in uh, mm. in uh, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, and here. So we're international now. Yeah, and it's kind of funny and. Uh, when we sell our tickets and the rest of it, one night I was up at my cabin up north by Talkeaton, and I looked down, and there was one guy said, oh, this is cool. guy from Finland just bought a ticket, and then there was another guy from, I don't remember where else. Oh, Spain was the next one. Oh, so, oh that's cool. So we meet him at the shows, and, you know, some of those guys have become life members of our organization because they support us. And so, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's all the interconnected, and 
conservation and also the perpetuation of hunting. So yeah. it's, it's important to us. So, well, what led you to to this path um, before you got involved with the Wild Sheep Foundation and to where you're at with it now? You know, I, I had always, uh, you know, I was raised in a world of uh, with the military and the rest of it, a selfless service, you know, doing good things without expecting anything in return. So, and I'm not sure necessarily, I can't point to an exact time when that happened. It just became part of what we were and did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, part uh, of your path. You know, and it just evolved, and there mm-hmm. it was. It was like not knowing that there was anything other than college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was probably ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> they tricked me into it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I had done so when I got to, uh, I'd been a member of Ducks Unlimited a long time ago, and uh, even when I was in Germany and the rest of it. And so when I got to Fort Richardson at the time, and so there was a chapter there, and I joined them, and so eventually did that one and then was asked to do district and you know i i can talk i can organize i can do those things and so yeah, leadership skills and so eventually i became state chairman of ducks unlimited in alaska for a couple of years and so oh. and we were able to do a bunch of different things and show some unique ideas and first state logo came out of alaska and it was like oh my god you can't do that and i said well i just <coughs> did it yeah <laughs> and i said you know you chapter's stu- a chapter boys <laughs> you, st- you study combat and you realize that people don't fight for the generals and for the president they fight for the guys on their right and left mm-hmm. and yeah. so they want to belong to something you know people are belongers so give them something that they want they want to be proud not of du they want to be proud of alaska du yeah and so and the then tribe, right and then after yelling and oh i Two years later, everybody had their own yeah. state. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but I was in trouble yeah. for two years. Yeah. And so, uh, so we did a bunch of things. You know, it's kind of that unconventional background with saying, here's how. Yeah. But yet we always made the money work and stuff like that. And yeah. so, oh, so they couldn't argue it too 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 hard yeah that was the whole You're producing point. results like, hey. and it's like well it's kind of funny because at that they usually have a paid staffer here in alaska and they do now and, and did then but it was a friend of mine back then and so he'd say he said to me one day when we were really trying something out there he said boy i sure hope this shit works he said because if it doesn't i'm history next week and i said that's a chance i'm willing to take <laughs> So, yeah, and so, but a lot of that stuff became the norm, and they realized that there was different ways of doing things, and mm-hmm. so I had that going, and then I went through, when I left the military, had different jobs and things, some of which, you know, had to make enough money to go to the next level of hunting, and so I was able to do a few mm-hmm. different things and helped, uh, you know, had a, a couple of various jobs here in Alaska, and then uh, helped uh, cr- uh, create a new uh, security firm called Triple Canopy, that was big in, uh, you know, the Iraq and, you know, Blackwater was one of our competitors and the rest okay. of So it. I was going to ask you <clears throat> off air earlier if you knew Matt Mann, but now you just answered my question. Yeah, well, Matt Mann, so he worked for me as when I was a commander in the unit. And then uh, when he wanted to do that, he'd said, well, this, hey, what do you think of this idea? Blah, blah, blah. So he asked me and talked to me, and that's how I got recruited the first time to be their first employee uh, to do this, uh, a fellow Delta Force guy, and so that's primarily who we were anyway. Uh, you know, that again is another story, but you know, being able to to organize and come up with answers and and plan and and take wild risk with other people's money, it uh, it worked out that that uh, so eventually, you know, they paid me pretty well to to do what I had done, and so that's probably what fueled a lot of my hunting 
yeah. cost and probably what enabled me. And then I had a couple of jobs and had my own company after that. And so, but that allowed me kind of to, <clears throat> to begin to do sheep hunting. And I met a guy by the name of Jack Atchison. So for most of my life, I lived vicariously through books and videos on hunting, mm. you know, yeah. dreaming about, I'd love to do this. I got probably 2,000 hunting videos trying to figure out. Just now, what did he do? stacked everywhere. <laughs> what did he do? Yeah. They're, in, they're nice and neat in cases. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was like, I even had to get rid of the VHS ones. I've been doing it so oh. long. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and so it was like, but it, the talk, what the gear was, where you went. Sure. I was old enough and senior enough that nobody really thought that they were going to mentor me. Everyone was junior, and so I never had anybody say, come here, I'll show you how to do this stuff. Mm, oh, okay. I, I can tell you stories about Matt Mann and our first our first hunt on Kodiak the first year we were there when he didn't show up at the stove because his wife wouldn't let him buy one. So, <laughs> so, you don't need so, that. So eventually, so eventually I had, you know, a whole garage full of tents and bomb shelters and things like that. So when I was going to go into it. And so uh, anyway, at, at a certain point, I started hunting sheep. And then I met Jack Atchison. And I don't know if you know who he is, but his dad was contemporaries with the Jack O'Connors. And, you know, these are probably names a little bit before your time and the rest of it. But his dad was the one that kind of mentored. Uh, uh, oh, who's our, who's our Marine buddy that still does all the hunting? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I'll think of it here in a minute. But anyway, several of these guys, he's been, and, and Atchison's shot, I don't know how many animals and the rest of it. He, you know, he grew up with it. They've been in the business 50 years, but he was the one that did a lot of the booking of hunts and still works, you know, as a friend. So he basically said, hey, you know, you, you've done all this stuff. Maybe you'd let me set you up with our chairman. Maybe you can go have lunch with him. So I met, you know, the chairman, Mark, uh, at the at the time, and he said, you know, <laughs> where did you come from? Do you want to do this or Oh. And so I, I actually had done it at this level and didn't really want to get involved. And there was a lot of independence issues in Alaska with, you know, it's hard to get sheep hunters to pull in the same direction because they mm. tend to be a very independent crew, uh, make some good hunters and that. But they, you know, and you can't get any three Alaskans to agree on anything anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really Sounds need this. Familiar. Didn't really <laughs> need to, didn't really need this drive, you know, without carrying a big gun. So it was a. Uh, he said, well, you know, maybe you'd, you know, help us, you know, get going with this thin horn. We want to start doing some stuff with doll sheep. Alaska at the time had, they had had a, uh, an organization up here. The organization kind of lost its way, even though if you go back to the history, there was plenty of top-notch people mm. that were a part of the previous organization. They just went through a blip where they got the wrong people in the wrong jobs. Mm. But there's a lot of people wow. back there that that did, you know, the Billy Dunbars and the rest of these guys that were top-notch people. But at a certain point, and then Atchison, who had been chairman of the Wild Sheep Foundation, actually had to come up in 2013, and they pulled their charter and said, that's it, you guys are done. You're no longer affiliated with the Wild Sheep Foundation. Mm. That left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But what year was that? 2013 is when they actually oh, did the letter. Not, oh, that's not that long ago. Wow. And so it had been before then that things went south, but they were anti-guide and outfitter. They didn't want any guides and outfitters. And um, so, you know, it created, it was about the time that the organization itself changed their name from FNAWS to the Wild Sheep Foundation. Oh. So it happened. I always use that as a transition, even okay. though it's. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. So there had been one, but so these guys eventually, Mark and. And Jack said, you know, I finally, 
strategic planning is kind of my forte a little bit. And so uh, I was going to, I said, I work free at national, but I don't know if I want to get back into the, you know, running banquets and things. God, yeah. God forbid. <laughs> well, you oh, know, as, you as, a sta- as a state chairman, you know, we ran 40 some a year. We wrote, I literally wrote a manual on it and how to do the So doing one of those was like, you know, yesterday's mail, you know, it's like, okay. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, but it was obvious that we needed to do something, and and I probably wasn't going to get in the organization unless I kind of made you know made my bone somehow. So Mark said, "Why don't you uh, go to Alaska, and if you're willing to restart this, then kind of show us how it's done from the field." So mm. we started with mm. uh, twenty uh, New Year or Christmas Eve, twenty fourteen. You know, hit the final button. I had redone the the all the the paperwork and all the stuff and so we started not a member not a nickel <laughs> not nothing a fresh start a couple start. other guys uh, um everything had to be new and had to be different and so yeah, sure we're a separate completely separate corporation from the national organization even though we're function as a chapter chapter's not in our name and uh so and then you know that spring we got chartered again by the which is the you know what they pulled from the other organization we got chartered again at at national and still didn't have any money and so i basically paid for it out of my pocket for a year and then got reimbursed and started with the first raffle and had to borrow sei helped us get started with the raffle permit some other stuff and so uh you know i'd known any grasser for a while and so we were able to to go and then create it and then that next year, I think 2016 was our first time we had done a banquet, and everybody agreed that no, no, there's no way we can do a banquet. You know, there's too many banquets; we won't be able to do one. <laughs> Just a, yeah. not optional. Let's do it. So we did 300, and now it's grown to, you know, I mean, we could be bigger, but we wanted to keep it with uh, the. All the niches, there was a banquet every weekend, and they said, well, what do we do different? And I said, you just got to do it better than anybody. Yeah. Well, you got to okay. go. And you, you got to do, do that n- for sure. And I said, you, uh, I said, you, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Chevys out there, but there's no Cadillacs yet. You know, SCI did a good job, and they always did a good banquet, yeah, but yeah. theirs was kind of tired. And so uh, DU had had big banquets. And, in fact, they had asked me to run their big, big spring banquet after Marlin kind of headed south. But I said, yeah, I don't want to do that. And so – so we began to create the brand, you know, rather than little Chinese junk gifts, we went with Yeti and, mm. and, um, so Sitka from the cross partnering with all the Sitka, yeah. you know, Bob Hodson at Barney's knew them. And he was like, it was kind of funny. He's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to put my name and he'd been part of the old organization and you oh. know, missed it, you know? So he'd been mm. a longtime supporter of yeah. wild sheep and everything else. But he yeah. said, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have my name associated with this unless it's the right Gotcha. And it's gonna be done right. And I said, I tell you what, Bob. The truth is, I don't give a shit about your name. I care about mine. <laughs> so I go. guarantee it'll be the right way, or we won't do it one way or another. Sure. So people, Sitka was one of the first ones. That's why we've kind of been uh, loyal to them, even through thick and thin, even when they decided there wouldn't be drilling in in Anmar or <laughs> some other stupid thing. Uh-huh. Uh, well, that was after they got bought by Gore, right? When they started well, being they, a little they, more. Corporate. They were anyway, but yeah. that got fixed and. Uh, Nice. That's probably another, again, another story over beers or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, when they came back around, which was good, and, and we never left them for that reason because I knew sanity. In fact, mm. uh, when I called their headquarters that year and said that, you know, either you guys get this straight, you know, because I'm getting a call from the governor's office on why we're, you know, against Anwar or whatever. 
Yeah. And my agreement, if I restarted Alaska, was that every all the, you know, decisions would come through us with Wild Sheep. Uh, oh. Now Sitka was not the same agreement. They were supporters of ours, and it's different. But I said, you know, you really should check on the ground. I said, I said otherwise. I said you come back up here, and I said every homeless person in in Anchorage is going to be wearing Sitka. I guarantee it within the next month. <laughs> so, so they're in Bozeman. They called right over to Gray Thornton, whoa, who's the president CEO, whoa, whoa. and they said, "Who's this guy in Alaska? What's the story?" He said, "Yeah, better listen, because he's you know he's like that, you know." So. <laughs> It took them a while to sort out. I shared the stage with one of their new guys, and I said, shook my hand and said, hey, you know, I came to talk to you here specifically at this at the Sheep Show, and I said, this happened. He said, oh, yeah, Alaska. And I said, yeah. He said, it made no sense in doing the rest of it. And, and I said, we got to get it fixed. And he said, you know, those guys are gone now, and I was put in to fix it. He said, so you just come by. We're back in the net. So just like they that. fired those guys, and that, mm. oh, just had to wait a year or two. Yeah. yeah. And then the, yeah, and, and then the show... And then the show righted and the rest of it. So the California boys went their way. And so, and then they came back and they've always done it. And Cryptech, uh, Kuyu is in there. Yeah. Uh, you huge, know, this, this huge year. Huge presence now. And yeah. And so we actually, because of the size and what we could do and our ability to, to project our name and the image uh, out there, uh, we, we signed uh, this year. We probably, we brought on an executive director for the first time. Oh. You know, most organizations, uh, First thing they do is hire an executive director. So the first 40, 50K, 100K goes right out the door, uh, you yeah. know, and I did it for free. So, you know, I basically threw in my salary as a way just because I told you, you know, it's payback. Yeah. And, uh, but we had money right from the day one. You know, last year we eclipsed between ourselves and our parent organization, we eclipsed $3 million we've donated to Alaska. Wow. And so nobody can do that. And there's some good organizations out there. I'm not taking a thing away from them, but I'm proud of that number. And from day one, we've been, you know, pumping 200, 300K, and it was just keeping enough to operate uh, that through the next year. Yeah. And the rest we gave. And instead of, you know, building a bank account with a million dollars or whatever in it, we, we chose to do it that way. Now we're probably to the point where we're going to double that. Uh, uh, you know, the new people, Boyd Harness just signed on as one of our major sponsors. Uh, Zeiss just came on board. Uh, we just, you know, put those agreements together. We got a couple more in the works. Uh, uh, Anyone you got your eye on? What's that? Anyone you got your eye on? What, as far as a major sponsor? Yeah. I, if, I, if I would, I wouldn't tell you. Okay. 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 Every time we've done something, someone's copied it. Uh, you same. know, uh, yeah. the guns, the the... You know, we went out and cut. Yeah, the, it is kind of all the same. We cut out all the, you know, we tried to make it different. And the more we made it different, the more people, people said, copied. You know, you, right now we don't have a giant sheep raffle going. It's kind of like you say, okay, there was nothing going on with sheep, and we kind of recreated it, and now everyone wants to be in the sheep game. Yeah. Yep. So this year yep. we decided to do, you know, we're going to give away a safari, and I guess we'll become the safari headquarters for a while. <laughs> so it's, it, it's kind Change of. Change it back when you have to. <laughs> And, you know, we're get, we got a desert bighorn that's going to be, you know, raffles mm -hmm. and the rest of it. So the reality is, you know, it's marketing. It's um, taking care of it. Remembering it's about people. We talked about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's all about people. So you look at these sponsors. When they hear from us, everyone walks into them and says, well, I'd like a donation. I want to do this. We walk in and say, hey, you know, if you do this, we'll buy this. You give us this. You do whatever. Here's what you get on the pages. Here's what, you know, and it's from day one, it's been a business, not a, not a Birkenstock begging organization. 
And so when we treat it like a business, that's why we're able to, you know, we, we basically book and sell hunts on six continents. You know, the only reason we're not in seven continents is because they won't let us hunt driven penguins in Antarctica. <laughs> it's just not sporting, according to some. You know, the leopard seal, the leopard seal would be kind of cool, I think. But, you know, penguins, eh, you know. Yeah. yeah not, a big, not a big deal one way or another. Uh, and, and it's for the right reason. Focus on people. Remember, it's about people. We take care of the sponsors. They take care of us. We provide them stuff. Um, we had a couple sponsors that uh, were had been given to us, and then COVID hit, and they said, "You know, we're oh. just we got hammered. We can't do it." And I said, "Sure." So I told the guy doing our live auction, I said, uh, "Call him up and tell him uh, to give us a hunt, and we'll give you all the money we make." And then when you come back, and they were like, "Wow." Nobody. Say we've what? been given. We've been given to this organization and that organization for thirty years, and nobody has ever on offered us that. And said, "That's gotta, the difference. It's about people. Yeah, it's about you take care of people and you show them you care and you're in it together. We try to send them quality, uh, quality clients. You know, because the reality in a lot of this is it's not really a donation. A lot of times we put money into these hunts." And uh, they hope that when you go there, you upgrade, you buy a different an another animal or do whatever. Yeah. We like to, like I was going over numbers with you guys, we try to educate people on that so they know the right way to play and what to anticipate to take mm -hmm. another person or to buy another animal yeah. or whatever. And then these people call us and say, the people you're sending us are just so much better. You know, uh, you know this is good. And so, yeah, we're in. So we get so walk through you know, SCI or the sheep show and people have got a crowd in front of them and they wave and say, just send me the paperwork. <laughs> Too busy to talk right now. Just send me the paperwork. Yeah. And yeah. that's the kind of relationship, you know, we get 85, 90% return business from people. That's, that's what it's about. That's, that's who we're looking model. for. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. How many people would you say was at the banquet last year? Cause you said you guys had 300 Back in 2000. We started with 300, but right now we're limited just based on the size. You know, I like the yeah. second floor because yeah. it's a classier place, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what we were looking at. If we wanted to get downstairs, we could go downstairs in the warehouse and walk around in concrete. It looks nicer upstairs. That's right. It's the whole point of it. That's the whole. But that limits us. No matter what we do, we can only get 90 tables in there. So we get 900 yeah. people every year. Gotcha. But the other part of it is to say, you know, uh, you know, it'll get to the point where, okay, um, uh, we've, we've got some other things coming. Uh, this year it'll be another one, you know, the same kind of basic format with stuff coming in. But whenever the major sponsors come in and give you five, ten grand worth of stuff, it helps the bottom line. That literally falls all the way to the bottom line. In mm -hmm. fact, we leverage it a couple times. But that just means like that tiered raffle, you know, there's another Argo. In fact, we got the full-size Argo this year. Nice. We didn't do the boat this year because I took out three to four tables last year to do the boat. Uh, and that's going the wrong direction. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. too much space. <laughs> yeah, taking too much space. And yeah. you look at it, how much per table that is in terms of what you yeah. want to got. The live auction has got a, a, a governor's tag from Utah this year that they ask us to market. That's a, that's a, a California bighorn. Wow. You know, we've got uh, brown bear on Kodiak, uh, free-ranging bison in California, yeah. uh, oh, those buffalo. Are, those Cape are buffalo. Cape in some big dollars. Yeah, Cape buffalo in uh, uh, a couple places in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, we, Ibex again. We were – they haven't the, – the import 
issues on uh, Marco Polo are still out there, although it looks like they're getting them fixed. The Wild Sea Foundation has been leading the way and working. They had some very good successful meetings with the Fish and Wildlife Service uh, about importing those. It's the reason why we haven't had a Marco Polo, but the same outfitter that does that does some real good uh, Ibex in Tajikistan. So we got a couple Ibex from Tajikistan. We're waiting to hear from Mongolia. Uh, they were you know, hoping, you know, they have their import stuff for at least Ibex, maybe what they call a marl stag, which looks a lot like a, a, an elk, to be honest with you. You mm. know, half the time they call it an elk. Mm. And um, so, you know, we're trying to provide, and then there's little stuff, you know, bear hunts, uh, antelope hunts, uh, pheasant hunts. Uh, yes, know. maybe more uh, fiscally capable uh, hunts. <laughs> Well, you know, for it's, right it's kind of, it, well. The the point is, you you you're ideally when you look at it, you want to try. It's even like the raffle, you want to find uh, something for everybody. So we've got yeah. guns on there that are, you know, Gunworks just gave us a gun and some of the other ones. So we're talking, you know, the the gun stuff. We've got five or six shells of stuff at Cabela's. Uh, uh, Steyer Monlisher just signed, said one to join us. Benelli just joined. Sweet. Uh, uh, you know, we'll probably buy from them. And so, uh, and what that allows us to do then is to put stuff on there. We've got shotguns from Beretta because, you know, Beretta is one of our sponsors and then high end rifles and shotguns. And then, and then down at the lower levels, we don't do a wall of guns because it's kind of, it's anticlimactic for us. And it's also, there's other organizations that that's their bread and butter. So we don't mm -hmm. really need to step on their toes. There's a lot yeah. of room for, yeah. You know, there's a way. There's a way of doing this stuff. You know, we give. I've got a. You did the table though, right? What's that? The, uh, yeah, it's, the table. It's like almost the table of guns, I'd say. Uh, well, there's. You know, right now when I think when I look at it, I got the spreadsheet, and so we won't do all of them. But you know, in inventory at Cabela's, we have two hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of guns right now. Wow, guns, in, and that doesn't include the optics. You know, Swarovski sells to us direct, and Zeiss and the rest mm -hmm. of it. So we won't mm -hmm. use all those, but it usually comes out to be one hundred and seventy-five to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of guns and optics that we do in a single night. Yeah, to be able to really, and and they're a variety. You know, they're we won one. We won one. Yeah, two years ago, four years two, ago, we won two rifles. Our table. You know, we were always trying to figure out doing different things at the tables, and you guys usually get a table with us, or whatever. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you did yet. Did you do your table yet? Not yet. We're, we no, I'm on the way out of here. Then that's it. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's in the works. So, well, you know, they went, but they got those prices up a little bit, Kevin. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to talk to you about that. We're like, you I think, can we get that player's <laughs> price, Kevin? Can we get the player's price? I think you. Uh, I grandfathered in price. There I, we go. Don't be talking grandfather stuff. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I don't get, just because you're on, you know, you're on talk radio or whatever the hell we're fancy, on doesn't mean you, fancy doesn't podcasters mean you, over here. Yeah, doesn't mean you're going to get away with murder. It just doesn't work that way. But I was going to bring you. We got you good have, karma though, man. Come did, on, you do. You have excellent karma, as a matter of fact. Yeah, if uh, if you look at the uh, the what we're giving away with the table, what's what's the main item? Do you know? This is the trivia. So much for trivia. Oh, for the play the damn noise. Hit the play the, no, play the noise. Music. Tell, me, tell me what the like, main like item is. You one, get a table. The, what do you get? What's the one the item. Table it's a bag. Cool. Is it a QU bag? No. It's a Yeti oh, cooler. Last year. Oh, that was last year. Yeah, that, keep going. Yeti cooler, right? It's a Yeti cooler. What kind of Yeti cooler? It was a Yeti. Yeti uh, it's the backpack. The, the gray hopper one. 
Yeah. It's like a 30, I want to say. You got a website? Yeah, Pull we got up. a website. <laughs> we got a website. Pull it up and go to the table and see what it looks like. He has an 18 hopper. Oh, the 18 hopper. That's what you think. So we've got one for the 18 hopper. We've got a QB. we got a QB bag that's last year's news. Okay. And what else? Actually, he walked away with that this year. Okay, the Panga 30. Panga 30? Panga 30? Year before. Oh, hell, I'm living in the past. So how, okay, how can we look it up here? Last year. Tickets. Tickets? Are, you, are you at the website? Yeah. Go to, you know, buy a table or whatever. What's our. Uh, you got to go down. Down a little bit. Uh, where are you? Banquet. Banquet. Yeah. yeah right there. Try that one. Buy now. And when it asks you about a I'll table. Look at the table. Keep going. Down the bottom. Oh, right there. Orange. Table. Purchase table. Let's see what you're going to give. Survey says. Okay, there it is. You get a full size Yeti Hall worth $470. Ooh, there oh, it is. Shit. Okay. Yeti Hall? Is okay. that a 45? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. Oh, oh and the green cup? His, yeah. Oh, we got and you the, get the cup holder cup. And you get the big cup. And if you That's sign up for one. the upper level table, then you get that uh, Red Ox bag with our logo on it. The same bag they gave me when I hunted my polar bear, by the way. So Red Ox Aviator kit bag. Okay. That's what you get for just... So now you know the answer to that particular quiz. I was going to bring you your Yeti Hall since I was over at the webs... Or at, I, had to, I had to move the Yetis. We're the largest Yeti dealer now in Alaska, I think. Oh, is I what, <laughs> Is that what the Wild Chief Foundation become? I talked to the guys at Yeti, and they said, all I got to say is they look at the hat and go, you, you're the, you're, yeah, I'm that one. We got Yeti cups for days at the house with Wild Sheep oh, Foundation. Oh, every single one of my <laughs> cups are Wild Sheep Foundation. It's like uh, the, uh, I love it. I get a call from my, and so what happens? It's like, let's, let's go back and analyze how this all comes about. You get on the corporate sales, and you say, let's order something due or whatever, and then, okay, you back and forth, and you got to buy it, and then ship it, and, you know, we buy like, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 worth of Yetis at the wholesale rate come in. And, the, and then your wife calls. And they don't tell you when they're coming. They always mess that up. And so my oh, wife calls me and said, doorstep? my wife says, did you order two tons of Yetis? <laughs> <laughs> we got a guy out front here. <laughs> yes, I did. There's four pallets on the driveway. <laughs> why is this, exactly. why is this guy to which, asking to if which we I use, a forklift? To, you, to which I usually say, well, I don't buy them by the pound, dear. <laughs> <laughs> how many are there? I don't know how many there are. <laughs> Span just plops it in your driveway? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so now, t- tonight, before I got here, we had to do, you know, two pickup loads to move them from the garage to, mm-hmm. the, and those were, oh, just, shit. those were just the cups. Those not, aren't even close to the coolers. The coolers took no. eight. Oh, those are monsters. Oh, man, so I, le- I looked at it and said, what the hell was I thinking? We're probably going to have, like, cooler day at Cabela's. Yeah. Ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Because if you go to the banquet and I give yeah, you how one, many you're going to be like. How many? There's got to be 100 tables, right? Well, there's 90, 90. tables, but yeah. reserve okay. tables only be about 65. All right. Okay. That's still so a lot of coolers. 65 coolers <laughs> takes up a lot of space. And now you know why we're the number one Yeti salesman in Alaska. <laughs> they'll, just right. have, they'll just well, have a container on the side where you just walk up. And but it, it, it is like, it is a, Here's your Yeti. it's a pretty drastic it's step up to it's go a it's a beast to that banquet over any other banquet when you here. and yeah. that's and that's the name of the game to do the, mm-hmm. you know the attention to detail you know that we want you to be when we walk in there we want you to be totally wowed with the stuff that you see and you walk up and down those uh when you figure right for gear alone just uh between uh sitka 
Cryptek and Kuyu, there's $30,000 worth of stuff. Uh, Stone Glacier was the one I was trying to remember. They signed okay. on as a major nice. sponsor okay. this good. year. Uh, cool. The Boyd Harness, you know, they make not only the Boyd Harness gear, but they also do the dog stuff. The uh, Well, Mystery Ranch ought to be on board now that Yeti bought them. Oh. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of them that you know we're we're seeing at the next show and the rest of it. And so what they really liked was, hey, you know, we're hearing all about you. We want to come. Zeiss contacted us and said, hey, we really want to, wow. we want to buy in. What can you do? So we sent them a proposal and said, you know, so they're going to be the sponsor of the uh, uh, of the Sheep Hunter University this year. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, and so we've got a couple out there that I, you know, don't want to rat out until they tell us yay or nay or whatever yeah. that'll mm-hmm. sign on. And so we're trying to make sure we get a good. Uh, and it's like even I tell that you know having all the camouflage in the room and say you know, uh, sit, I'm loyal to Sitka because they fit me better too and the rest of it. And so, but the truth is, people like what they like, and our job is to introduce them. They can't get out to all the shows. They can come see the different stuff. They can try it on. They can. Yeah. They can, uh, you know, test it out and, and hopefully find something they want. Uh, Can-Am is in again this year to help through Team CC to do another. They wanted nice. to do something different, so we did the big six-by-six. Six. Last year we had that $30,000. Oh, yeah, the side-by-side. Oh, yeah, side. yeah, the Defender. <laughs> it was like, okay. Yeah. It was like, I'm not sure what you do with it. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> um, do I take the Defender or my Mercedes? Defender or my yeah. Mercedes? <laughs> Today, you know, it's kind of like... <laughs> So I was getting a bit carried away, yeah. but they're backing to do that. And, of course, Argo. Argo hasn't really signed on. The local guys do some stuff. They with did us. have one last year. Yeah, we did have yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, we oh, had yeah. the 600 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to leave the show. They brought it out. I wasn't yeah, they well. brought it out after you left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't last year. We didn't win it, though. We didn't so we it. have the 900, which is fun, is trying to get them up to the second floor. Like oh, I was wondering about that. Boats and Argos. and they must have a big like elevator. Yeah, they, well, they, they said they... They put the kibosh on the elephants. We were going to do the trapeze <laughs> and, oh. the, uh, and the elephants, but they said can't do no, that this year. We're going to have to, yeah, draw the line. <laughs> so we'll probably do our signature beer again, and there's some other people that are talking to oh, us about it. Oh, yeah, Brewing hooked you guys so, up, right? Yeah, so we're, you know, uh, and people, again, the biggest thing is they're they're starting to call us now, and, and we would like to work with people, and we like to help. Yeah. We like to help small business. We like to make sure that we give them – return on their investments mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know it's a symbiotic relationship we're big on pushing alaska uh if you go to the sheep show you guys probably should come down as our guest next year and check it out and we'll do a podcast and i was just about to ask you to sell these guys on it because i don't want to I, I don't want to go that thing alone and i really really want no we've go. been talking about going and we, uh, Kevin and was telling Kevin's been pushing us too to come down yeah, there as well so next year is the year we're we going. can probably do that right, what i did it. was normally we you know, we end up, there was an island there, and it's got how many spots in it? I think it's four, about eight booths. So I said, tell them we want the island. So we're probably going to find a fishing partner and mm-hmm. the rest of it. Our, our long-term, and then we'll be a lounge in the center, so that would be the place to set up. Let's talk about it. Kevin, you can count us in, man. Oh, 100%. If that's something you can you can work out, um, to We'd love Just to do lock, that. Lock it up. Does Let's how, do it. Does Howdy Doody have a wooden butt? Of course we do. Yeah. Make that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a big issue. It's all about – and then what our goal was is to eventually build that out a little bit. We finally got a storage unit in Reno, so we didn't have to oh, move nice. stuff. Okay. And we want to call it the Great Land and then just put yeah. Alaska to where it's supposed oh, to be. I like that. And I so like people that. can that come cool. and hang out. And so I love it. I love it. 
God, yeah, so the, 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 the long-term yeah, goal totally is world man. domination. Yes, is what, let's <laughs> do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Just keep chipping away. Yeah. Chipping away. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with that trivia. Big Ray's the Alaskan Outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Ray's has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. At Big Ray's, you'll find brands like Carhartt, Grundens, Darn Tough, FXD, Okiwear, and more. Big Ray's is your one-stop shop for both outdoor gear and rugged work attire. Check out their new exclusive line of durable but affordable waders inspired by and named after the majestic Aralik River in remote western Alaska. The Aralik wader was designed by Alaskans and proven for the diverse waters of the last frontier. Visit Big Rays at any of their five locations statewide, two in Anchorage, two in Fairbanks, one in Kodiak, or check them out online at BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans turn disasters into new beginnings since 1972. Their 24-hour services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, and repairs. Tailored built its reputation with years of committed and reliable service to the community with innovative restoration and home remodeling. When you have an unexpected home issue at the most improbable time, Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day or night. Tailored Restoration has locations to serve you in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Give them a call at 907-344-1239 or make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and Overlander products. If you want to customize your vehicle, talk to the team at Total Truck where you'll find their expertise along with top brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, Eye Camper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Lining Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Want to turn your truck into a sleeping option? They have rooftop tents, custom camping equipment, electronics, and solar energy packages to keep you powered up deep in the backcountry. Stop by their store location on Dowling between the new and old Seward Highway or check them out at TotalTruckAK.com. That's not what we need. You know, someone at at Sornex, uh, Winterstrong, even brought that up. Was it it Charles? I was trying to remember somebody brought that that no i brought it up to him about that we don't we got to move on from those type of guys yeah yeah and he's a, and he you know he's you, he's if, great for it and he's done a lot for hunting but we're just in a you're just in a different space right now and mm-hmm. and that was something that i wanted to bring up because i heard gray on their podcast talking about how what podcast was that uh wild, wild sheep. sheep okay and how um the new stance with wild sheep is kind of to like move away from the kill shot. You know, I read some of that and I think some of that's probably good. And I didn't get a chance this time. We're so busy, you know, usually gray and I get a chance to confer or he sends me notes on stuff or calls and says, you know, what do you think about this? What's the, you know, I've drafted some policies for him and some other things. And so, uh, I've got a lot of confidence in him and the rest of it, but I read that and I thought, you know, first of all, uh, I'm not apologetic for loving hunting and what I do, uh, but I don't need to be in your face either. Yeah. So somewhere in there is the fine ground where you say, is, you know, the kill shots, 
yeah, I told you I had all kinds of hunting videos. What I don't like is the ones where it, you flash on and you get 15 kill scenes right in the beginning. Yeah. I want to know how you did it. I want to know the stock. I want to yeah. know what gear you took. I want to know the rest of it and then have it culminate. And I want to see the kill scene in the culmination just to see, oh, did you hit it right or did you not do and the rest of the stuff that I, that I wanted to do that. So to me, it's part of the story and, and it's okay. So, but I don't know what's, I haven't talked to him to find out why are you. It may be the right thing. It may be an overreaction, but but your your comment, you know, how I explain it to guys is like if you look at a normal distribution. I don't know if you've ever seen one, a bell shaped curve. It starts out small and looks like a bell, and then it ends the same way on the other side. On one side is the anti hunters, and we're never going to change them. On the yep. other side is us hunters, and they're not going to change us. Mm -hmm. But in the middle is the people that are going to vote one way or another, and they're going to determine whether or not we get to hunt. So our ability to approach them and to make it palatable and explain, when you say to someone, you know, people will say right away, well, you know, it's hunting that pays for conservation. And you say, well, good idea. How does that work? And that's usually when the conversation ends because they can't explain to you the business of hunting or selling yeah. tags or doing, uh, you know, Pittman Robertson, how exactly it works. It's counterintuitive that killing animals, you need to kill animals to save them. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, I mean, that's the blatant thing about it. It's like, yeah. why in, in places like Africa, because a guy's got a choice, you know, if the, if a uh, elephant gets away and I've been there where they've had guards all night and, and eats the guy's melon crop, his years, you know, that's it. He's out of business for a year. Yeah. You know, family may starve, may not. And so that elephant doesn't have a lot of value to him unless he's part of that resource. So, I mean, there's some good thoughts, but most of the hunting, you think about it, even Pittman-Robertson, okay, the excise tax on uh, that creates the Wildlife Restoration Fund is, is gathered at the manufacturer. If you went to the average hunter and said, which would you rather do? pay the tax or would you like 15% discount on your gun? Yeah. A lot of the, especially the young ones or people were budget. I mean, we've all been there. You know, yeah. we started out with, <laughs> I, I dearly got this gun and God, I was thrilled to have it. Now it's not maybe that same way. There's a transition in life that we go through. Mm -hmm. You start out by survival where every little thing, you know, paycheck to paycheck, et cetera. And hopefully when you get to be older, you're into the self-actualization. We're leaving something behind or doing things like conservation, all that are important to you. But that's a transition. Yeah. Our job is to facilitate that transition, but to understand that it's okay at that level to think like that because I did, you did. Yeah. Now we're in yeah. a different, now we're in a different space and we want to think that way. But so we literally trick hunters a lot of times into conservation because they made it an excise tax and they don't see that. Yeah. So we have to educate them why it is. And the, and the people, the last uh, trip I was on uh, going into uh, Reno, uh, chatting with a guy who's a furniture salesman in uh, Washington State. And we had a great time. It was chatty. It was fun. War stories and some other stuff. But he was like, oh, God, this is, I, I never knew, you know, this piece or how exactly it comes together and, and you know, where the money comes from and what exactly goes into what. And there's a lot of Americans that would be, if we were just portrayed ourselves in a light, we don't need to say about killing backstraps or whatever. It's good, healthy meat. There's a big thing. We're a member of a big organization called the Wild Harvest Initiative. Um, 
and I don't know if you've seen, you know, that's probably someone we could probably arrange for you to come because he wants to come to Alaska. Yeah, Shane, John touched on that. Would, lo- we, would we, love to have him yeah. on. Shane, Shane Mahoney is a friend of mine and the rest of it, so we talk about once a month and, and go over. He stopped by the booth, and I didn't think I was going to get to do anything that day because he wanted to go over. Uh, I keep hammering him that, you know, that he needs fewer words. He's a biologist, and yeah. biologists, <laughs> you know, get graded when they when they get their degrees. They get they weigh their their thesis by the pound, and that's how they get marked. Yeah, and so he, it's kind of never give never, me some details. Never never uh, never say what uh, you can say with ten words with ten thousand, unless you can say it with ten thousand is his belief on the rest of it. <laughs> Got he's another one like Sturgeon that the first time it did it, they wink and blink at you like I say. Well, if you're going to come up for, I want to have it called a night with Shane Mahoney, and have him come talk in Alaska, and he's all ready to do it. We just got to agree on the date. You guys can be there and yeah. and okay. help in the part of it and the rest of it. But I said, but Shane, you're so long winded. And he was like, <laughs> winking and blinking. And I said, do you play the guitar, Shane? he's like what i said yeah it would help probably if you'd play the guitar a little bit like that these are alaskans you know they like a little entertainment we'll probably have to give away a half dozen guns to get anybody to listen to them (laughs) but it'll work it's you know we're we're tricking build it they were talking okay you can't say is you know you're like oh everybody would kill just they'd pay a thousand dollars just to come spend a night and talk to them i'm like no No. these are these are young guys these are survival guys these are these are basic guys they get a free gun they'll come anywhere yeah (laughs) yeah there's opportunity to win so the science all day long we have to trick them into this that's just the way it is and god bless them because we've all been there and there's nothing wrong with it just the game just part of a game is we right. educate these people. Hey, That's you got to right. trick the young guys into adulting, hundred percent. So the so the whole the whole point of what they're doing though, when I had a lot of conversations with them, because I always claim, you know, it's like every hunter in Alaska claims to be, you know, I'm a subsistence hunter, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, you can also swim for the girls' team if you want. I don't yeah. care. But the truth is, unless you live <laughs> off it, and that's what you do primarily, you're like me. You're a sport hunter that uses the food, or I even tell people I'm a trophy hunter. Doesn't mean I lop off the head, you know, like the bad news. But we got to quit apologizing. The truth is, yeah, I've paid all kinds of money. I mean, I've got pictures of the elephants I harvested in in Africa, and it took, you know, about two and a half hours for them to cleave up every drop of that stuff. And then there was meat hanging in all kinds of, you know, cottages and everything else that worked on these ranches from those elephants. We know that that stuff doesn't go to waste. Yep. Okay, and plus somebody's foolish enough to pay an ungodly amount to be able to go do that. So, but his point was on the on looking on the base of it, and he's talking the the total ability to harvest, you know, from the wild, much gathering, yeah. you know, fish and mm-hmm. all the rest of that. Full circle. And he said, my comment was, he said, because I believed that if we can't win the fight at that basic level, we will not win the fight to keep hunting at all. Mm. And I said. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got me sold. So we give them like twenty five thousand a year to be a member of that. We get to sit on some, some very you know prestigious boards and all. And t- here's what's going on. And to put our, to put our pieces in it, they gather. They just did Alaska. We're looking through the data now, but they gather basically with all the fish and wildlife uh, or with the uh, you know uh, fish and game departments in these states, all of the statistics on what harvested and how much gets harvested and who uses it. And one of the factoids, for instance, was on the average, you know, it's not just you when you hunt or whatever, you think about it. He said, when we did the statistics and looked and said, on the average, when something gets harvested, it gets shared with 10 people. Yep. Mm. 
Okay. So when you say there's, you know, 15 million hunters, there's 15 million hunters and, and 10 million relatives that yeah. <laughs> or, or 10 times that 150, 150 million, million. Yeah. 150 yeah, million people that live off that food. Yeah. And when he looked, they actually measured the biomass and everything else and the value of what they're doing and said, you know, it would put a huge strain especially in places like Alaska and what you do. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're boiling it all down to the basic <clears throat> level of saying, and we can now articulate this uh, exactly, you know, what the value is and what it's used for. That's good to a lot of it. But you, if you look at the difference between conservative and a liberal look, the liberals tend to process information differently. It tends to be more emotive and the rest of it. So I can give you facts and figures, yeah, and that ap- may appeal to everyone here. But the other side is all emotion. It's not right to shoot an animal. I don't care. You know? Yeah, regardless uh, of analytics, right? You're never going to live yeah. in that. But there's a whole hunk of that middle that will understand it then, and we'll be able to articulate, and they'll say, not for me, but I think it's kind of cool that you go do that. And that's the swing boat. Well, h- Bingo. H- his approach to mm-hmm. it is brilliant because, because he – and you can tell that it's very intent-driven what he's done and what he's derived because it is it is getting that crossover of that middle that's why it's not just it's not just hunting for him it's the wild harvest so it's a lot of foraging it's a lot of mushroom picking berry picking incorporating Mm -hmm. all that just that alone grabs so many people of that middle because it's like listen we're not just talking about killing animals and killing fish like there's a lot more to it and and just the stat, the stats that he can show about how drastically it would affect if you eliminated hunting, how much of a strain that would put on just like the food sources, yeah, produce, yeah. ranchers, like, and you, and you don't really think of it because we are such a small population. Has he got a graph on that? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really? He's got a lot of info, man. In, like in fact, overload. the thing that I, and that's what I usually get him on. I say, you got to realize that when you, like, you know, we don't do guest speakers at our, our bank. I got all kinds of people that want, I'll come out, you know, governors, everybody will want to come and talk and say, sorry, we don't do that. You know, we do the conservation quiz periodically to say these are the five main things because people can only absorb that much. Yeah. Okay. That's all they can absorb. And the problem with Shane, I tell him is you got to do your executive summary because if you don't do that executive summary and really focus it down, then these people won't listen that much. It's a, it's a heavy load of information, man. It's, it, it'll bury you. It'll bury you. So, but it is brilliant. It, it's, it, it's along the lines of, of Robbie. Just finding those little, just the little niches where you can turn someone like uh, with Robbie from uh, Blood Origins. I've I've used it so much discussing with people who don't hunt, don't understand hunting, don't don't understand like what's happening in Africa, and they're just like you know everyone's like you shouldn't ever shoot lions, and it's like okay, well, nothing but trophy and, hunters. And Robbie explains it as like okay, well, don't necessarily disagree with you, but here's the thing: that animal has an intrinsic value that you cannot take away from it. It has a value that is there. And so if a dentist doesn't pay $400,000 to go shoot it and you ban it, it still has a value. And now a poacher is going to go shoot it. And that dentist was paying for anti-poaching for, for the, the old lions 
and it to be done the right way so it's keeping well, more animals on and that's the it. thing is like vegans and hunters want the exact same thing i you know you're 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 right in terms of just uh, ivan carter once did a show on a whole thing where he was looking at lions and he was talking about the difference between first of all you know uh during the day a pride of lions around a kill you can run them off at night they turn into totally different animals where a good professional hunter doesn't want to be anywhere around them mm-hmm. because they are just flat killers at that point. Just that difference. And I hadn't, I hadn't known that until I, you know, I got some time to hunt them a little bit, but, uh, it, it's amazing. But he, he was checking on one and here was, he found these, I don't think two or three lions that had been poisoned and he was trying to figure out who it is. So he finally eventually went to a village and he looked around, find it, finally gathered into the one all the way back down to a basic guy whose who's, his source was his only source of water was a well the well w- had a wheel on it with a donkey and the lions had killed the donkey mm. okay so you were looking at there was the difference in that guy yeah so my life versus the lion you know uh, a lion takes your child what are you going to do <laughs> go kill every lion you're right yeah. you're right so and 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 so whenever you put Whenever you allow that situation to exist, that the, the in proximity, then then you're going to have a problem, and wildlife will lose. Uh, you know, our efforts up here on uh, sheep and and uh, uh, and disease, mycoplasma, over pneumonia, and the rest of it, to show that mm-hmm. well, one, we don't have to create huge buffer zones because there's not enough room to do it. That we can basically test and call and be able to do that because they're farm animals, etc. Oh man, huge! This is my, you know, this is. You know, fluffy is my favorite. Okay, well, either it's a farm animal or it's a pet, and and I understand how it could be, you know, one or the other, primary or even both. Yeah. Uh, not really. We have no in, in negative toward feeling toward that, but whenever it's a question of you know wildlife and and you know stock animals come into contact brucellosis was started by cows was brought in was brought in by cows and then it moved to bison and yellowstone and the rest of it then all the bison had to die that came out of the park because they carried brucellosis and we're going to reinfect the cows they gave it to them originally so whenever there's whenever you had that and and elk are now involved in the whole thing so whenever you have that conflict wildlife loses Every time. Yep. So we've got to we've got to create those systems. So the idea on that is, okay, if the lions killed your donkey, and and even on wolf predations, when they were when they would uh, pay money for that and the rest of it, so they'd go to the ranchers and say, what, you know, what happened? Well, here's a cow, and it was killed by wolves, we believe, because and there'd be teeth marks and the rest of it, but it wasn't obvious which animal killed it, and a whole bunch of animals had fed on it. Yeah. So, but they were stingy with paying it. And they should have just said, here, here's the money. And, and let themselves be taken advantage once or twice because because it was better than than the alternative which says the farm you know since the you know like on on Yellowstone what's the solution shoot and bury yep yep, yep. okay yep. so if you if you want it bad you're going to get it bad so you can't you can't have some of these systems run by accountants and the rest of it and if you get taken advantage of a little bit it, all the all the uh, sheep we had two herds of goats up here that we actually cleared of a movi with a bunch of testing and culling and every single goat that had to be put down was oh this is the most expensive goat in the world this came with this bloodline and it was it was like everything that happened you're like okay some of it we just say Winston. You know, because at the time we did it, we were proving that it could be done. 
So yeah. So there's some lessons in it for all of us. You know, what we agree is that central thing is. And the other thing that we talked about right in the beginning was we have got to come together and stop the infighting mm. crap. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. Resonant, not, so resident, non-resident, and non-resident, it's time that we tell people <clears throat> to sit down and shut up and, and listen to that. There's mechan- together. There's mechanisms to be able to deal with some of this stuff. we got to quit flinging stuff at each other because the outside is going to get us. You know, uh, you know, Washington said, you know, we, I guess they're – or Ben Franklin said, you know, we either got to hang together or we'll all hang alone. And that's where it is. And right now the other side is kicking our butt. And so it's time that we realize that. And it's okay to disagree with each other, but we got to keep it under control. Yeah. And we got to learn to work as a team, as a freaking team. Because yep. if we don't do that, we're going to lose it all. The next generation, you know, if you looked at right now and said 30 years out, what do you think their chances of being able to hunt? Right now it's not huge. No. Okay. Don't want to be the sky is falling, but the reality is just the way things are going, uh, the liberal Brent to the more that's happening and the rest of it, more and more, uh, you know, and it's a and it's a death of a thousand cuts. You look at every little thing that's being done to squeeze. There are people that are absolutely hate guns. There are people that actually hate hunting or killing. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and overall, so, I mean, we know it. And they got a lot of money and a lot of propaganda, and they're yeah. – and and we we also have to support and it's a big thing. It was a big push. I mean, you heard you heard those guys this weekend talk mm. about it about how like and 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 I've explained it a million times to everyone about how guilty as Alaskans, super guilty of it. Like, yeah, man, those are your guys' problems. Like, yeah. we don't mm. really have that kind of overreach here, but we do. Well, they, they you know when you talk, you know, I I gave the board a probably a 20 minute brief on where we were in Alaska and a lot of stuff. And part of it had to do with the federal overreach, you know, and what I explained to him is I said, you know, there's stuff I read, you know, and I told you we review the policies and say, you know, when you come up with a policy, it's got to work for all of us. And some of the ones a couple of years ago were like, well, the feds, this we want with the feds and the rest of it, because there were States that said when, when, uh, when their budget got to be so short, then their requirement was to sell off land. And when they sold off land, then it went private and people couldn't hunt it any longer. So mm-hmm. the, a lot of them said, well, the way to go is feds. If the feds have it and lock it up, then we can still be able to hunt it. They hadn't run into what we'd run up here. And a lot of what we do is we're kind of cutting edge when it comes to dealing with the feds. So the reality is I said, you know, you got to be careful when you say, oh, we're going to go all with the feds or all with the state. <laughs> And they were writing stuff that that did not work up here that was anti and the rest of it. I said, you got to learn. You got to be smarter than that. You got to boil it down into what the essence of the fight is. What we're talking about, for instance, one of the big ones is access. So the reality is our position is we're very pro-access. And so we're going to go, we're going to back, or we're going to support proposals and efforts and organizations that provide us the greater access regardless of who it is so today it may be the state in alaska and it may be the feds in here but what so the commonality is our of our program is we support access not we support mm-hmm. the feds we support the mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. so i said you got to go to the next level you got to peel the onion back at least yeah. one maybe two levels till we get to the common ground and say this is the principle that we follow and we're going to apply it build off uniquely in each and every situation mm-hmm. so in one case we're feds next case we may be state but because we're, we're proactive act access, and that's what yeah, we're the common we're, goal is access. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. just an example. So now mm-hmm. they're starting to say, 
Yeah, that's a good point on, you know, because you're right. They don't understand when we start talking overreach. If they do, they go like this, and they're really thinking, well, the feds will give us the best thing down here, so we're going to stay with them. And so not always the case. No, no, not always the case at all. Uh, you know, like I said, had had lunch with John Sturgeon today. We we do cross level updates and stuff like that, and uh, on what's going on. And so, you know, a lot of challenges out there. It's not we're not leading that fight because it's not the primary thing in our lane. We're a conservation organization putting mm. sheep on the mountain, and there's a lot of challenges with that right now. But we are in total support. You know, what they have to learn here, it's like a staff organization that depending on the, the just like we led the way when it came to disease uh, in the sheep and SCI and APHA and all the others got behind us because we prepared all the briefs and the plans and they went with us when we went to the meetings and said, we want this changed and it brought changed. Now somebody else takes the lead because it's in their lane and then we fall in behind them and help support them. Mm. That's the way we have to learn to work up here. Well said. What are you back off each other? What are your? Do you have thoughts on how? How or if there's a different approach to sheep management in Alaska? You know what? What you've told people is, you know, I say I fall back on the basic idea that uh, you can only do what you can do. And we don't know what the weather, we can't control the weather. And so, and if we have a couple more bad years, we may be out of the sheep game almost altogether. Okay. And shame on us if we don't get to look in the, look ourselves in the mirror and say, we did everything we possibly could to help guarantee and facilitate a natural recovery of sheep. Because it's going to take a natural recovery. And I don't think we're anywhere near close to being everything we can possibly do because I don't think we've heard all the ideas. Mm. And I don't care what the money costs. So I've told the governor, we, I said, you come up with projects, we'll come up with a million bucks. Mm. And I said that to the board of the Wild Sheep Foundation, and not a one of them blinked. Okay? But you got to have something to sell. Can't sell air. Yeah. Okay? Yep. What are we yep. going to do? So this effort right now in 19C with the board of game, we said we'd help fund that or fund it. Okay? It's not exactly the way it's supposed to go down. So I read all this stuff written by people who say, well, according to paragraph 7, bowlegs C, that this, you know, on a day with and I don't want to hear that crap. Okay? It's the only show in town right now, the only thing that's happening right now. So it's the wrong thing that happened for the right reasons. Something's got to happen. The goal originally was to close all 19C to all hunting. When there wasn't enough votes and they backed off and said, well, we'll close it to, you know, to non-residents. Uh, there's got to be discussions up here between we don't play allocation we are a conservation organization that is our hidden agenda i'll tell you right now i'm mm. i'm telling you secrets yeah you know <laughs> i've said oh my god newsflash oh you took money from the sheep foundation you must be owned on those guys do you really think does anybody here really think you can own me and i don't think i can own you so how the heck does that work the truth is it's more petty crap from petty people and we got to stop it the truth is we all got to be able to fund different projects and do different works. We don't play the allocation game, so I don't care who gets to shoot the sheep. I prefer it to be me, but if it's not going to be <laughs> me, I don't care who it is. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's the truth. We don't play that game, okay? We stay out of it for because we have we have resident, non-resident, uh, uh, subsistence, non-subsistence, sport, trophy. We got all those people that contribute. And so who? which one of the part of the family do I side with? 
It doesn't make any sense, and that's not what we're about. We're about putting sheep on the mountain so there's enough for everybody, even for the people that just want to come look at them. Yeah. So yeah. that's our that's mm. right near up in front. There's our hidden agenda. So if you don't want our money because you're afraid of our hidden agenda and it's conservation, then maybe you need to take a look in the mirror. Yeah. So we need to ask ourselves, have we brought out all the ideas? We can't just do – there's nothing wrong with full curl. We don't know of any scientific reason that full curl doesn't work. I'm not saying that. But when you're down to the last few rams on the mountain, I question whether or not it's the best way to go. Okay? Because uh, yeah, now and, we're just and, reacting. And it's not my job. I've told you, I'm not an expert on – I'm not a – I didn't tell you any time that I went and took this course in conservation. Told you I – but from the day I graduated in college, I have been nothing but in charge of something and been a decision maker. <laughs> and so you learn how to sniff bullshit – Okay, real good, and you learn how to trust certain people, and you want your experts. So I want the experts to tell me what's possible. I want to hear different ideas. You know, yeah. predator control is always a good idea. Yeah. Uh, eagles are becoming a problem. Well, there's paperwork. There's actually a certain thing that you can apply to shoot eagles. You know, when you look at where we're at right now, when we're arguing about, you know, ladies' locker rooms and the rest of it, applying to shoot eagles is probably not a, a heck of a <laughs> good use of our time. But there are people har harassing them with drones and the rest of it. And there does come a mm -hmm. time when, when, just like in Texas, that civil disobedience is the way to go. Okay, if the federal government and federal overreach is too much, that we got to be able to do stuff. Controlled burns is a question. The guys in Canada are screaming about uh, using uh, uh, different minerals, you know, taking uh, mineral licks and enhancing them. And what they're focused on is ewes and lambs. Our goal is ewes and lambs, not big rams. That'll happen naturally. Yeah, yeah we got to we got to have ewes and lambs survive. And if a little bit of minerals the make them stronger to make through, yeah. you know, we've pushed the, we had the disease issues. We've talked about that and the rest of it. And they they found disease out there when it supposedly didn't exist mm. in Alaska until we raised heck, and then suddenly we tested and found out. Oh, there it is. Okay. It may be a, a, a non-virulent stain, not as much as soap may, but I said, supposing it basically compromised the immune system so that it only had like a 5 or 10%, you know, negative rate to you, you know. So one or two, you know, you never know how many are going to go. All of that stuff comes in it. We need to make sure we're trying everything. We need to learn to contract out. With a million dollars equals, you know, you know, basically $4 million on the ground, but we got too many people who think, well, God, I'd really like to see my son play softball one more time, you know, and I can't do that if I'm doing I understand that. That's called being a human, and you don't have to apologize for being a human. But if you're not willing to hire somebody else to paint the house so you can watch Billy play, mm. play softball, oh, okay. and I'm giving you the money, okay, then you got an issue. There's all yeah. kinds of yeah. retired biologists around. It's a choice issue. Okay. That we can probably hire to do that. That's how I made the, the what we were talking about triple canopy. We sold our skills back to the government. You know, you, we're the mm. best operators in the world, and we could do security as better than than they could ha hire to have it done with the State Department. So that's what the name of the game is. We've got to be able to create a robust group of people that are for contractors that'll be able to do counts and be able to do the rest of it. Pull out all the stops, right? I mean. Yeah. Get it on the table. You can't tell me. You know, mm -hmm. You know, I'm obviously to the right of center when I talk about politics and the rest of the stuff and not ashamed of it, but I'm not to the right of the till of the hunt. 
So one of my one of my heroes as a kid growing up was John Kennedy. You know, he was an Irish Catholic who became president and the rest of it, and probably a little bit, you know, to the left for most of my leanings and the rest of it. But I had his books. I had PT-109. I had all kinds of stuff. In the 60s, he said, when the Russians were kicking our butt because they had captured better German scientists than we had captured during after World War II, and so we were trying to race to the space, he said, our goal is to put a man on the moon this decade and return him safely to Earth. The budget didn't exist. The science didn't exist. The organization didn't exist. Nothing existed. And yet, in 1969, we landed somebody on the moon and brought him back. So you can't tell me we can't figure out some sheep. Contract it out. Okay? We just got to want it bad enough. Yeah. And we got to lead. We got to learn to lead. Okay. And come together as a team. The, the team should t- the basically, so the expert should come to, to a guy like me and say, okay, hot shot, you shot, shot your mouth off on the podcast and everywhere else. <laughs> Name that tune and put a finger in my chest and say, it's going to cost $10 million. Say, okay, how do you want that? Small bills, large bills, or what? Mm-hmm. And then let me worry about that we'll because the there's street. people out there. We just sold the Chugach Ram Tag for $235,000 at auction. <laughs> And there were two other tags for other ones that went for $600,000. Yeah, records this year, right? In Reno. No. Exactly. Records. So when I told, you know, I'm just telling you, what you got to have, though, is something to sell. Is somebody to put their name on something? Yeah. There's all kinds of crazy people out there that got more money than you and I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to do That'll it. That'll never be a problem. And they want to be able to come up and do something so they can put their name on it. And we can celebrate a party and put a plaque out and do the rest of it. So be smart and be able to leverage that. So sooner or later, we got to realize that it's all possible. And if you can't dream big, get the heck out of the way, and we got to get somebody else that can. Okay, we got to think unconstrained and make it happen. And then we got to challenge organizations like ours and the others to say, okay, you guys, that's your job. You come up with the money and the rest of it to make all this happen. Um, if you need to, I'll run through that wall for you real quick. If that's what you like. <laughs> there it is. There it is, Brandon. <laughs> just like go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, my sleeves. How about we here. start? End it yeah. with a little trivia. Let's do See that, man. He's are. got me so pumped up. Oh, I know. Tear my eye. Where, where do we sign? <laughs> my, fr- my first trivia it, question is directed directly to Kevin, and it is: Please, how long are you going to stay doing this? Can I hope you say for it till I'm dead? Well, we just uh, we just hired an executive director. You know, uh, it took me a couple of years to do that. Uh, Molly, yeah, is 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 really talented. I stole her from Fish and Game because they couldn't use her talents that that well. And, and again, take a month from yeah. them, I like them. And then I lent her back. She's actually working for them right now a little bit because I said uh, I wouldn't leave. Contractor? Uh, for yeah, she is for now. <laughs> yeah. For uh, but I said uh, yeah. See, so, so you know they can figure it out when they want to. Yeah. She was helping them try and bring the new person on board that was going to replace her. So I said yes. Oh, we're all in this together. Yeah. And, and so she's helping. Back them. to message number one. We're still in this together. Where mm. it's a team effort and the yeah. rest of it. And so and and working with Ryan Scott, you know, who took Eddie's position and the rest of it. He's great people. Good talking to him. I talk to those guys all the time. We can we can figure out how to do this stuff, and so uh, build, so build my, my goal then is to be able to work more more of the upper end stuff, you know. Because, like I said, before I came here, I was moving Yetis. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I think they, I think they, so you, you know I, I write the, I, I write I write the checks and do all you know, 
it's been for nine years running it out of my home office because I've I'm used to making you know myself look like a big business when you know it was just me and my jammies <laughs> you know uh, worse than you guys at least you dressed up for the podcast <laughs> so, so so and people couldn't believe and that's of the viewers know is you got flannel pajama pants on right now well, <laughs> Zoom meeting. I, it's it's the bunny slippers that i don't want them to see yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's uh so you know, yes, I hope to keep doing it for a while as long well, as I can because I'm not sure what else I would do, and because there's still a message out there. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to get us to the next level. You know, eventually we'll probably have an office and look more like a regular business. The official address won't be my house and things like that. We remember I was we looking start, at that on your card today. I'm like twenty twenty it's like a home address twenty. Well, I you know well what's this? Where are we at here? Yeah. <laughs> So We're it's a like trash company building. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So let's let us not be let us not be throwing red solo cups yeah. in memorial. So it just ain't gonna happen. So you know we had we had a you know we want to go to the next level to be able to do uh, a lot and we're close to that remember we started for not a nickel not a dime no members and now we're going eight so over hopefully we go over yeah. a thousand members this year on you know on a couple different continents and and then probably you know we're over a million dollars now not bad for a Birkenstock organization so not you know so and know. that's and we got a ways to go but I think you know we can do it and we can do something that's good for everybody not just us like i said our hidden agenda ain't us it's conservation great answer positive attitude what's molly's last name <laughs> mccarthy Cunfer. she's okay Ooh. yeah that's, i know that's a tough one mccarthy molly by <laughs> it's just just remember molly by golly there you go it's like not gonna say the just Less. typing it in. Yeah, just type it in. All right, no spell check. All right, here's, here's the first question, guys. Ready? And, and we'll have uh, real, 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 real talented, and the rest of the stuff yeah. we did it at the sheep show. It was kind of good. We compliment each other in terms of, you know, she's big in the fishing and the rest of it. So if you ever come to our meetings, they're like this. You know, the stuff's flying back and forth. We're getting worked on, but, but you know, there's fun stuff, and you know, here's a picture of an animal. I'll show what animal is this. And, <laughs> You know, uh, but when I took over Ducks Unlimited, <laughs> when I took over Ducks Unlimited as the state chairman, although I had duck hunted, I hadn't been like a duck hunter all over. And I know it was, you know, I got this wrap gift from the RD, and I said, "Oh, this is nice." What's this? She said, "It's welcome aboard gift." And I opened it up, thinking, "Oh, this is cool." You know, who knows what it is? You know, and I opened it up, and it was a book on a duck identification. He said, "If you're gonna, if you're gonna pitch them, you ought to at least know what they look like." I said, "I don't need to know what they look like to sell." You know? You're like, oh, there's more than a mallard? <laughs> you're kind of, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> That's great. What was the total amount Wild Sheep Foundation raised and donated in fiscal year 2021-22? You're going to answer last, Kevin. Um, like national? Like whole organization? Total amount Wild Sheep Foundation raised and donated in fiscal year 21-22. Didn't say Alaska, so that's got to be it's the national inter- orga- national organization. International, no, I mean the, yeah, there yeah. we go. Was, International, yeah, yeah, thirty million. Oh man, you gotta give that hamster wheels to grind the bearings or. Um, 
Well, I don't understand why the wheels got to be turning. It's not like you're doing math. Just pick a number and say I, I mean, I'm just... <laughs> he said 30 million. I, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about all those... I was trying to low Kevin. side it. I'm hoping it's way more. Kevin, you got something over there? He knows no, I'm just answer. trying to think, you know, uh, the part of it is the, whether it's the net, you know, that they distributed yeah, or whether not it was the total think. amount of money. Oh, yeah, you're trying to think if it's the net? Yeah. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the different. And meanwhile, he's like, what the hell's net? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean, Jackson? Uh, 55 million. Okay. All right. Now, it was 6.6 6 million. I, you so know, I, I wasn't the, sure. I was going to guess 6 million only because it's. You know what? What and, and let me explain that just so you know. And what you're talking about is like all the auctions and raffles. How much it all comes in? Some of it, like ours. You know, my, my agreement. It's a good deal. I let them do all the work and raffle it. Then the money has to come back here to me, <laughs> <laughs> and then I get this. I send seventy percent in, and I get to hang on to thirty. Usually we. We give them all of it. You know, that's how we come up with a lot of the numbers and the rest of it. But mm. they're talking about their total. And what they did, the other thing with, uh, hopefully I'm not uh, doing one of the other trivial questions, but what they gave out then based on their, quote, profit from all this effort was 1.6, mm. I think, last year. You know, they did basically grade and, or uh, aid and grants in terms of this. So, you I mean, that's a pretty good number overall. So, All right. Question number two. Well managed. We'll have you start this time, Brian. Okay, let's do it. Um, there are many threats to our wildlife sheep populations. By far, what is the biggest threat? Uh, seasonal cycles. Good answer. The biggest threat? Mm-hmm. That kills the most sheep? I don't know. I'd probably starvation. Mm. He said the answer earlier. Mycoplasma. Ovid pneumoniae. Oh, mm -hmm. Movi. Yep. Movi. And, and, and to put that in perspective, what you're really talking about is weather, predators are a constant. The only thing with disease, when you say, and in some of our literature, we said that the problem is. If they get mycoplasma with pneumonia, you can wipe them all out in one shot. The thing, but generally, oh. as a as a yeah. constant disease, you know that yeah. order would be would be weather, predators, disease, and the seasonal cycle. To, in my answer, would be weather. What, really, what, it was it was like a vague. We both got it wrong. You don't got to try covers. Explain your I way mean, into the, the seasonal <laughs> can be the weather's bad. It ices up. They can't get food now. The wolves eat them. It's like all one. The net weather. The net, yes, the net. <laughs> the net weather. <laughs> 55 million. Right? <laughs> what Brandon's trying to explain is that his answer was supposed to cover everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's and like, I meant like, was right. you know, I meant like the full cycle. You know, and yeah. you know, All disease. environments. Anything that Seasonal can diseases. Even. Yeah, disease. I guess disease. I guess disease is the biggest threat to uh, everything. Everything. Good Remember answer. when I was talking about wisdom was based on mistakes? You know, part of that cycle is to, when you make one, just admit it and drive on, not try to go back over it five times and hoping it sounds different the second yeah. time. Around. Just dig the hole deeper and deeper. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's exactly. not working. Yeah, some, exactly. People not like, working. some people like to shovel. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I mean, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a good workout. Doesn't it sound know? better now the third, yeah. fourth time? No. How many bighorn sheep were there in North America during pre-Columbian periods? Pre pre what? Colombian periods. That's Columbus. Columbus. Columbian. Like before periods. Columbus. Columbian, Columbian yeah. period. Yeah. Okay. 
the no, hell does dude. that mean? Who wrote this? You know who. <laughs> Not uh, well, I or know me. that they used to just kill the hell out of them for food back in the day. So, so estimated number during pre-Columbian periods. Estimated I don't number. I know how many is there now. Pre-Columbian. And the next question, part two, will be. And I'm then say, I'm gonna say twelve million. Twelve million. Okay. All right. Wow, that's a Good. lot of sheep. Yeah. Of animals, twelve million. Yep. Big horns, uh, to be exact. Big horns. Big horns. About. I'm gonna say there were uh, hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it'd be more than that. Yep. One point five to two million. million. It's okay. like a little area there. You got to remember, I've, I've just, uh, you know, I do. Uh, how many bighorn is there? You know, now? I keep. Saying, well, that's I, question number two. So, how no. many bighorn sheep are estimated to be in North America in the present? Kevin, that's you. See, you've been skipping out on all these trivia. So, questions. what was the answer to the first one? One point one point five to two million. <laughs> so, what is it now? Well. You know, used to tell, when when the numbers were good here a couple of years ago, we used to say that there was forty five thousand estimated sheep uh, in Alaska. Mm. Uh, those numbers are down drastically now. But basically, I used to tell people, you know, as a factoid, to remember that twenty five percent of all the wild sheep in North America live in Alaska, and they're roughly split between bighorns and thinhorns. So there would have been, you know, forty five, and uh, it probably at this point. You know, my guess would be, I don't know, 70,000, something like that. Okay. Chad? I'll say 100,000. And this was bighorn sheep? Yes. Populations at present. At present? 35,000? You're real close. 64,000. Oh. Yep. Man knows his stuff. I called him out and he just spanked me again. Now, how about my own throw in there? What 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 are the four types of wild sheep in North America? Dolls, stone, bighorn. No, uh, two bighorn. Uh, so it's desert, de- desert and rock in California. Okay. No, you 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 were cl- you were right there on the rest of it. First of all, there's I only got three technically. Th- there's there's split between thin horns and big horns as as, as and, type. And for our listeners, explain. I will. Uh, okay. And, and so the the two thin horns are your doll sheep, and your stone Stones, sheep. Okay. okay? They're considered the thin horns, and they're very close taxonomically related in all this. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the big horns. The big horns are primarily the Rocky Mountain big horn and the Desert big horn, or the two. Oh yeah, the two big yeah, horns. California. California is a sub is a subspecies yeah. of the of the big uh, of the big one. Mm-hmm. The Desert big horn has, I think, three or four. There's Nelsoni, Weemsy. Oh, they break uh, Mexic- Mexicali. Mexicali. I think there might That's be right. one other. So there's something like that. But but basically, if you had to say, it's you know Rocky Mountain Bighorn, Desert Bighorn, Doll Sheep, and then Stone Sheep. Okay. Yeah, that's your Grand Slam, right? North American Grand Slam. Yep. Three yeah, left. Was, three left to, to go. Sound, I was trying to sound <laughs> smart, man. I was like, I got yep, this. Three, one. three left. <laughs> three left to go. Um, any other last questions? That was all I had as far as that. Do we any any last things you want to plug in there? Maybe something we missed. Well, I think we got you, a banquet you, coming up here. Might wanna, we might the, want to talk about the little banquet. Yeah, I guess. You know, <laughs> is there something else we missed? Might not be it. Unless, so, all, you know, unless all the tickets the, are already gone. Then probably the best. No, the, probably the best conservation you know event in uh, the West, according as far as stuff and yeah. the rest yeah. of it. There's yeah. a lot of people that put on put on some good shows and so i'm not taking anything away from them but when you look at the the amount of stuff that we're you know that we bring to the table and everything else then uh you know you can join you know basically a thousand of your closest friends for dinner and drink 
Yes. Uh, April 13th, the Denina Center. We're about half sold out right now. The biggest thing is probably the tables are beyond half sold out. So now's the time to get your tables. Yeah. And We've had a lot of chit-chat going on about that in the last three to four weeks, and uh, we'll be sure to uh, get our shit together and get that locked in. You mean get all your excrement in one container, right? All of it. That's right. Yeah. Contained. That's right. That's fine. Please do. You know, yeah. we always like having you guys there. It's always good to find out what's going on. But mm-hmm. it'll be another great show. It'll be, you know, nothing radically different in terms of, okay, we're going to do this this year. Different, uh, you know, the live auction will probably be huge this year. It'll still be 40 yeah. only because – but we'll probably do – right now we've probably got almost 80 mm-hmm. items that, that need to go. And so we'll probably do a live auction, uh, you know, the – week before the event the the night of the event and then after we'll do a a cleanup so you know anything from <laughs> from uh you know california bighorns to alligators to whatever you can do yeah. whatever yeah. Yeah, dream it up so it's probably was well, being a participant for many years even the one you guys did on the covid year out in the valley that one was a lot of fun um, I thought that was one of my favorites. That was fun. That was oh, a great I'm with time. You 100%. Man. It was a beautiful said, day. They said, nice. they said oh, there's no way you can do this. And then I got this tent guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no, you oh, we'll need another tent. No, really? Yeah, another tent. Yeah. So it became, he told me, he said, do you know what? And I said, no. He said, this was the largest tented event in Alaska history. Oh, was it? Was really? it really? Yeah. Ha- yeah. I don't know who keeps track of that stuff, but it, but it'd be hard to get bigger because there was yeah, no more tents in Alaska. <laughs> that was it. You rented them all. <laughs> it was truly. I was blown away when we got out there. I'm like, wow. I mean, I thought this was kind of makeshift, but it didn't feel like it. And and the message was similar to what we've talked about is where we're going in the rest of it is to show people, you know, you ain't going to stop us. That you all said yeah. impossible, can't be done, can't run it, can't Let's do the go. rest of it, and yep. we're showing you what's really possible when you use some creativity and do yep. the right things, period. Yep. And for people that haven't said. gone or maybe have debated on going, I mean, us boys, we've gone years and years in a row, and um, it's, it is it is one of the top-tier events that we mark on our calendar every year to go. Absolutely. It's a super fun time to go. We've gone with the wives. We've gone without the wives, and... Um, both are fun trips. It's time, good time to dress up and get out there and spend some money. And the food is always top notch. The entertainment's top notch. Um, Kevin's, you know, keeping the crowd into it and and the prizes and spend a little money on some of the uh, the raffle tickets and some of that stuff because yeah. it's worth it. You never know. Our tables have been very successful at if winning. You're, a lot if of you're things. like me, it's the only way you're probably ever going to own Swarovski stuff. So you might as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might as well go. <laughs> you if go, you don't man. ever plan on buying a Gunworks gun, you can go try to win one. Yep. Well, and there's other things like supporting local artists that are donating Tons prizes of stuff, and Tons of stuff. I mean, the the prizes and the tables every year just keeps getting better and better. And the draw isn't just, you know, animals and and guns. I mean, there's there's art and there's books and there's oh, tons yeah, of beautiful stuff. There's you got the Argos and the and the toys and and the I camaraderie mean, that you get with everyone that's there you yeah, know all the people yeah. that are around that you talk to and you see guys you haven't seen in a while and you got guides yeah. that are coming in and outfitters and stuff like that some guys you might not see this might be their one event that you see them out there dressed up and you can tell them almost and and, and, and many of the conservation events are like this but you tell people just come sit down and people are not sure the first time they sit down pretty soon they end up with a table full of friends 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. just just the way it is that people, you know, it's like a campfire. You might as well have a campfire in the middle because it draws people together and they do it. So yeah. even if you get nothing more than the people on your right and left and the rest of it, it's a warm feeling for sure. I love yeah. that because that's when your whole message has been it's about the people. It's about people. This this drive, this message, right? And it's a great networking opportunity. Yeah. You're a guide, you're into the outdoors, you're maybe you're just new to Alaska. Yeah. And you just need to meet some people to, to bust through the bear of entry of hunting or outdoors or just any of it. It's a great opportunity for people to do that. Yeah, you don't have to be a sheep hunter to go to it. That's the thing. I think whatsoever. There's kind of a might not even be your interest. It's just a yeah. good it's just a good event to meet a lot of really great people for an extremely important and great cause. Yeah. So for our listeners, we have Saturday, April thirteenth is the main banquet. Um and there is the uh, Sheep Hunters University are the activities and clinics highly prior to the show that are that. between what times, Kevin? Uh, I, I think we usually crank up about 8.30 or something like that. Okay. I'd have to check on where where we're at on it now but that okay. goes all day and if you buy a banquet ticket then you don't have to otherwise we only charge minimal like twenty dollars to get in okay if you're if you're not going to the banquet but if you have a banquet ticket then it's free to attend okay okay, okay and we, yeah. we do something unusual if you come up to us and, and you're at the door because we don't we don't do tickets we we've got a list of names and who's coming the rest of it and you say i bought a ticket we let you in because i'd rather be tricked by one person than then have to interrogate you know the other thousand yeah there we go. that comes in there we're here to take people's word yeah. for it yeah well you have that feeling in there it's not there's no awkwardness it's just like you can move around the room you can check out all this stuff oh, it's, yeah, it's not like some of those weird like gala things you go do and you're just yeah. kind of at your table feels like a junior high dance well, yeah you're it's not like that at all. And no that. yeah it's none of that and you can come dressed up you can come in flannel you can come in whatever you want and, you know, you see it all. I noticed too. It's it's starting to get a little more wild when we're when you, those could uh, be just our table. Well, I'm I, I'm <laughs> thinking that they're. You mean the Argo guy that took off his shirt and swung it around? That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I, I feel like we might have started a movement there uh, with our with our crew. I mean, uh, well, I, I think you should. <clears throat> we bring the. We but bring you're the right. Well, the toughest question I, when someone says, "Well, we're coming," <laughs> I have never been. What's the dress? Yeah. Beats the hell out of me. Uh, it, camo I, I, or black tie? You choose, bud. Yeah, that's it's, an Al- <laughs> it's an Alaskan black gonna, tie event. You know, <laughs> I, I always so tease my buddy whatever. John. I always tease my buddy John Sturgeon the rest of it with the SCI stuff. And you want to stay is you want to walk up with tex- tuxedos and rip them off and say, <laughs> <laughs> and say, no, we're not wearing these. That's not no, us. That's right. <laughs> you know, jeans and a vest. We're here. We're here about money and conservation. You know. It's yeah, not, yeah. And the booze is flowing. It's it's man. It's a great night. Right got downtown it. there in a, a nice location. It got me thinking it would be fun to somehow do like prop bet over-unders. Like how many pairs of Ariat boots are going to be there. Oh, jeez. Good start <laughs> yeah. on that. How many Kuyu puffy jackets will you see? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, one last Over question under. I did have. The photo on the on the, on the the um, poster here. Yes. Who, who took the photo? What's the poster? That one there. A uh, big broomed off ram. By Ryan Miller. I I don't think that that's one of his. I don't uh, know off the top of my head. No? We've had okay. that one for a long time. Okay. We've kind of used it. We stuck with one, and we didn't want it to be just, you know, the challenge is you don't always want to do a monster on there because then it always becomes about, all oh, the giant size. Yeah. Yeah. When, in fact, as we've talked about, if you're really into conservation, the ewes and the lambs are the key. 
Yeah. So we need more about time. About the sheep, to, not the monster monarch yeah. sheep. Yeah, that's when you talk about it. We do a mixture yeah. of stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah, we can get that message out as good. Yep. Kevin, thank you for taking your time for coming in and chatting with us and all the work that you've done over, it sounds like a lifetime career of, of, uh, motivating and and leading from the front and, uh, using your, your talents to gather people and raise money for the things that you believe in and us being lifelong Alaskans appreciate you doing that. Um, thank you for your time to come in here and chat with us and, and you'll definitely see us at the sheep show. Um, any last comments from you guys? Yeah, I mean, just real quick, I, I say this a lot, but truly uh, inspiration. And I mean, I, like, I, I wasn't kidding when I said I run through a wall. It got me so pumped up at the bigger picture of what all this really means and what the money does and what it brings. And, and it really, the, there needs to not be the narrative that this is all for the rich white man to hunt big game animals because he's got more money to buy a tag. It's not what it's all about. No. This is conservation at its highest level to ensure that we still can hunt things 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And it's men like you, people like you. Um, and to Chad's comment earlier, I, I hope and I, I have faith in your leadership skills and talents that you're grooming the next peoples to ensure that what you've built and what you've done continues down the line. Uh, and thank you for everything you've done, especially for your time tonight. You're badass, dude. Thank you. Yep. Straight up. Yeah, much appreciated. I appreciate um, it. It was fun. But, uh, we'll have to do it again. We will. On a, on a fun off note, got to give the mayor some cred. Oh, yeah. On the mayor Small Batch Salsa, our trivia was brought to you by Mayor Small Batch Salsa. Thank you for plugging that in. Cannot Can't forget, forget that. the sponsors. There that's you right, go. man. We thank you, Alaska. Mayor. Thank you for all everyone that's listening. Um, thank you for the people that came out to our draw hunt result party this past Friday. Um, thank you for people visiting the website. Every time you buy a hat, a shirt, or support any of our sponsors, you are helping us. Um, so thank you for helping us by helping that yourself with some of their products. Thank you for listening. Alaska, stay wild. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of aerobic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com 
located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth. And it's too important to be lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy. And it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.